Blog Talk Radio. Ken Porter um, had money in that round. 
or a stoppage in general. So that's why he stopped the fight, right? I didn't agree with, with how Kenny Porter handled um, the post-fight interview. I'll say that. I thought that was pretty, pretty shitty. I mean, you made it sound like he was completely slacking in camp. Meanwhile, did you see, like, Porter gasping for air? Was he slowing down? Sure. I mean, a lot of fighters slow down as the rounds go go on. But he wasn't out of shape or something like that. You know, Sean Porter has said a couple of things, as has Porter since then, that I wouldn't say clarified it, but I think um, – I've heard from both sides that it does kind of feel like I see what he was saying, but the way he delivered it was just bullshit. Throwing his son under the bus and to sit there and say, well, you know, he wasn't trained properly, so that's why I stopped it. Well, I mean, and I understand that thought process. If you think that, then, you know, well, first of all, he got up twice off a knockdown. You know, like I said, he wasn't completely gassed in there or anything like that. I get what Porter was saying to an extent, but how he said it, like I said, it was just bullshit. You know, it was just like, really, dude? So that's why you stopped the fight? Like, why don't you just say it was my decision, my call, and maybe further describe your feelings after in the post-presser when you have more time to really get all your thoughts out. Like I said, I've heard him and Sean both talk since then, and it made me understand a little bit more what, what Porter was saying. But to just say it like that, I think it's just, like I said, nonsense. But we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Like I said, I'm kind of – I think you can be – like I think there's – well, there's no right answer, obviously. A lot of this stuff is, you know, it's not right or wrong per se as far as factual. But – I think you can be on both sides on this. You can say two different truths, what I believe to be a truth. And I think it sums up both sides, to be honest with you. I don't think you have to get caught in um, one way or the other, you know. And since we're here, I mean, you know, stopping the fight right there, it did surprise me. It did surprise me. I thought that, you know, he was showing frustration, no doubt about it, especially on the second knocked down and um but i thought he was okay to fight you know because you know this is just based off years and years of watching fights in the game and maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm right who the fuck knows in the end who really cares but i did think like i said the example of if the ref would have stopped it there i think you would have heard a lot more moaning about it like what and that's bullshit stoppage dude you know they should have let him go out, you know, on a shield and stuff like that. And when it comes to ref stoppages, it's such a hit or miss thing, right? And in the long run, you'd rather them be safer. We know that. But this wasn't a ref stoppage. So when it's your father doing it, you know, the old story of he knows you best. And that can be very, very, very true. It also can be very, very biased. You know what I mean? So I don't really know about that. But here's the thing. I believe that the stoppage was early, right? So that's one train of thought that I have. That's my belief. Now, my second belief is there was over a minute left of that round, 
correct me if I'm wrong, what was it, 121 or 122 or 112? I don't know when the official stoppage happened. Somewhere in there. But when you have a guy down twice and you have a full minute to work with and you just got done landing a fair amount of clean shots in a row, there's a good chance that that fight would have been over anyway. And maybe that's what Porter was thinking. You know what I mean? So I think that's, I think those are fair statements. Yes, I thought it was a little early. You know, I heard many other people, and then Spence say it. He came in there with the Hagler stuff on with the war, and, you know, why don't you let him try to finish it like a war? On the flip side of that, like I said, he knows his son best. Uh, but, yeah, I'm kind of in between. I think it was an early stoppage. I don't think he was that hurt. But in the same breath, there was a minute left of that around. And that's a lot of time for an accurate puncher who goes for the kill. And if you see, you know, Bo Mack in the corner before that round, giving him false information, but maybe he didn't even know, you know, maybe someone said, I think they got you down to him. And maybe that was just, you know what, this, this fight is close, which it was on the cards at that time, going into the 10th. Screw it. I'm going to tell him you need a knockout, dude. I'm going to tell him that you're down on the card. You know, and when you see that little interaction and you see Bud go, okay, fine. You know, I don't know how he's up, mad that he was up. You could see right away, like, well, what are you talking about? But, you know, Bud said, all right, cool. I got you. I'm here. And he turned it on. And that's what great fighters do, period. So, yeah, I'm in between. I'm not in between on Ken Porter's right after the, 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 the fight. No, I thought that was bullshit, like I said. Anyway. We're going to talk about some other fights that took place. Not a whole lot, to be honest, to, with you to talk about on the undercard. It was a really poor undercard, really shitty undercard. Um, however, uh, we did get a DAZN card that, you know, had some interesting fights there. Um, Andre got an early knockout. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> Just off that. Now it was quickly, so we got to keep it in perspective. But um, it <laughs> There was some pretty funny stuff after that fight. And I actually thought, I mean, Manic saying stuff about this fight, this is just this ongoing social media age stuff that this reporter or media member, whatever you want to call them, is just going to die on this hill. Because it's like a running joke, but that's part of his shtick. It's either to piss you off or have a running joke and have a portion of people pissed off at you or everybody going, what the hell? You know, this is him. He says a lot of, you know, outrageous stuff. Um, he's not really ever held too much accountable for it. But on this one, it was like, come on, dude. I did – I'm going to, you know, play a clip later because I did actually think that Andre said some really interesting stuff, and that was out of the ring. I think it was right on the side of the ring. You know how they'll continue to do some other uh, – interviews and stuff like that. Um, but I did like how Andre said, you know, Hearn and calling out different fighters and everything everything like that. So um, we will talk about that. Of course, we got to look forward to this week, and that's what's, you know, great about the way boxing's closing this year. Um, we got some fights coming up this weekend. Brandon Figueroa against Stephen Fulton. I, I, man, I, I can't. Fulton Figueroa, sign me up for that fight. I cannot wait for that fight. You know, Fulton is the favorite for, I think, good enough reasons. 
Um, he's definitely the more versatile guy, but you can't cut out Figueroa. You definitely can't count him out. Um, and then, of course, Teofima Lopez and George Gambosas, who uh, just recently, a couple hours ago, had a little issue with their camps. It was kind of funny. But anyway, that's fighting, too. There's that, that, that fight's going on to the zone. So Showtime and the zone. We do have some other uh, current fight news. Um, Charlo and Castaño rematch news. Um, and just a variety of other stuff. Obviously, we normally, you know, close with the boxing Twitter segment where we read the tweets of the week, and there's a plenty of good tweets this week. We also will, you know, touch upon some funny fanboy tweets and, of course, some media members behaving as fanboys. So we definitely have a jam-packed show. And if this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio Podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope and Radio. Um, you know, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and rope it open and, and download the show, uh, you know, directly there or, um, you know, listen to the browser. If you don't want to, you can find it in a variety of places. You can find the rope it over radio podcast at Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, and a variety of other places, too. We're also part of the Grooming True Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to the GroomingTruth.com. And one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you're happy, not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. Prices start as low as $69.99 a month. The best of live TV and on demand. No annual contract. No hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, that'll give you uh, three months free of HBO Max. And plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees, which you see more and more. That's becoming an issue. And then boxing fans... You might have some interest here. If you go to the Premier Package, that gives you HBO Max and Showtime. That's part of it. Showtime's only twelve or $11 on this platform anyway, by the way. That's DirecTV Stream. Okay. So obviously, you know, um, like I said, I've already given my take on what I thought, um, you know, going, you know, with, with Ford. Ken, Ken Ford. And I may kind of go into what both sides said to clarify him. You know, he, he didn't train for this. He basically made it sound like he didn't train hard in the camp. But the way, you know, the way Porter described it was like, hey, dude, I'm getting older and I take rest days. And Kenny don't see it that way. He don't believe in rest days. And when you get older, if you look at modern sports and athletes, I should say, Rest days are actually very key. Just ask Popovich in the NBA. No, but it is true. There is something to be had. Maybe there's an in-between there. Maybe there was too many of them. I don't know. But I did hear Kenny Porter say stuff like, well, he's in such good shape, he doesn't have to train these next two days, you know? So he was, I don't know. But either way, we're going to leave some of that because I've already given my take, the main take on uh, the stoppage and all that. But just breaking down the fight, um, it was very competitive. I think there's an argument to be had that you could say either guy was up five to four. I think there's a few swing rounds, and that's why. If you look at the second round, uh, if you look at the sixth round, the seventh round, maybe even the eighth round, I'm not saying there's four swing rounds for sure. But these are close rounds. They're competitive rounds. So I think there's an argument to be had 
that either fighter could have been up 5-4 going into the Now, we know there was already a 10-9. We know there was already a 10-7, right? 10-9 because he's winning the round. Two knockdown shit. That could have been a 10-6 round if he made it out of the test. Even. So, clearly, no matter what, the scorecards would have been, you know, different. And they did have uh, two scorecards had it 5-4 for Crawford, and one of them had him 6-3. And like I said, 5-4 for either guy, maybe 4-4-1 four, four, if you don't mind doing the tie rounds. Um, for me, 6-3 to three on both sides. I've seen 6-3 to three across boxing Twitter plenty. Most of that's been for Crawford, but I have seen even people say Porter was up to 6-3. I don't agree with either one of those. I don't agree with 6-3, or three, to be honest, with both sides. I just don't. I think it got to be somewhere in there four four one five four for either guy. Now, that's just my opinion. Um, like I said, I just don't see six three, man. I just don't. Um, but Porter for me did win rounds one and three. I think that's a, those were clean rounds for him personally. Um, he came out with like smart pressure behind the jab. Uh, he was kind of winging those left hooks, you know, kind of that little leaping left hooks that he have, that he has, I should say. And he did put in some body work early, um, whereas Crawford pretty much just uh, some decent jabs and stuff like that. Um, the second round, to me, was very close. This round could have went either way. Um, early, you had more jabs coming out of uh, the Porter side, more body shots, kind of couple of good body shots on a clinch. He landed a really nice right hand, I believe, right in the middle of the ring. Um, but there was a few right hands, right hooks, to be, uh, uh, I think, to be certain, from Crawford in a late exchange that that could have been Bud's round based off that, that he may have gotten the better of from down the stretch. So, you know, given that to, to Bud, I get that. Um, you know, but maybe Porter too, but I, I gave it to Bud personally. Porter, I gave him the third, like I mentioned. Um, you did start to see Crawford kind of go into more and more southpaw, you know, uh, stance and just kind of stay there most of the time after that. He was landing some clean shots. There was a cut from, a, I think it was a right eye um, headbutt. Um, a little, I don't know, a little like mini flurries of hooks and right hands still did it for me in that round anyway. I did, that's how I scored it anyway. Um, fourth round I gave to Crawford. Um, there was a, another headbutt. <laughs> this one, I don't know. Well, no, wait, that was a little, that was a little, that was a little later. That was a little later. Um, the fourth round, you could start to see Crawford took, was taking the jab away. And although Porter got his jab going minorly later, not enough though. He took the jab away. He started landing his jab, landing the cleaner shots, starting to land that left hook as well. And it was still a competitive close round. You had these little sneak attacks and body work by Porter. Now, the fifth round, to me, is, is kind of all over the place. Um, to, I, I gave it to Porter, but this was close. I did think he kind of landed a little bit better jab, and he, he was showing – and in these early rounds, he was showing that foot speed of closing the distance and getting shots off. And he did start – I thought he did some good inside work um, late in that round. Sixth round I gave to Crawford. 
And maybe the fifth round was a 10-10. Maybe the sixth round was a 10-10. I don't know. I gave Crawford the sixth round, though. I thought early on you could start to see him timing him more, not just his jab he was using, but he was landing his left hand. And um, then he started going the body more and more, the short left hand. And I, I was impressed with that because I was like, all right, dude, you know, that's something Spence did is go to Porter's body. Usually, you know, Porter's that guy. And that's where that's where the round, I believe, where he was cut on his right eye, Crawford. Neither cut uh, did enough to slow the guys down or anything like that. But Porter, you know, he landed some nice left hooks to the body. Uh, he, you know, some people think he stole that with that late flurry in that round. I guess you could make a case for that. I didn't. So, you know, 3-3, three, 6-4, three, um, or 4-2, I mean. I'd either, I think I, well, I had it 3-3, three, three, but I could see 4-2 Porter, whereas I don't really see 4-2 Crawford there. I don't think Crawford won four out of the first six rounds, personally. I think if I'm going to go 4-2, I would go Porter 4-2 or 3-3 three, three after six. I did give the set the last round of the fight, for Porter anyway. I did give... The seventh to him. This is the last one I gave to him. Um, he was kind of just a bit, it was a slower round. And he was kind of the busier fighter, especially early. And he landed this nice right hand, and he got some work done on the inside. I don't know. Some people thought that it was actually Crawford or Porter taking the round off. You know, so it is what it is. Eighth round I gave to Crawford, and the rest I gave to Crawford, obviously. Uh, you know. He was really starting to get back to timing him just in general. Um, and then you could start to see more uppercuts, not just hooks, but uppercuts were coming out. And, you know, Porter did some nice things, but just, just not enough. And then in the ninth round, early and late, the checks hooks, and landed these hooks with both hands, by the way. They, they both landed in some pretty good exchanges, too. And I thought, okay, Robert's starting to get the better of here. So, like I said, going into the final round, 4-4-1, 5-4, either guy, I'm, I'm pretty okay with that. Um, I think the first one was a left hook uppercut, right? Or, I mean, a, a left uppercut, not a hook. It was an uppercut. Dropped him. And it was like a little step back left hook. In a sense, it was kind of similar to what we've seen even in that Spence fight. The footwork and the accuracy – and the timing, I mean, that's 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 Bud Crawford right there, <laughs> you know, in a nutshell. And then it was like a right, I think it was a right and a left hook, knocked him down, caught him. And um, then Kenny got up on the apron and stopped the fight. And, and, and he said, you know, basically like he didn't, he didn't train properly like he normally does and he wasn't listening. So, the, you know, not listening in the fight, because he had made some mistakes. And that's where Porter did say, I, I got hit too many times in a row, and he lost the, his composure. He totally did. And he did. He definitely did. Um, like I said, I hate to keep repeating myself, but if the refs stopped it right there, I think even Crawford fanboys would be like, oh, man, they should have let it go. But when it's your corner, that's a wrap, you know. Um, but a great performance overall, especially to close it out like that, especially you know that Bowmax stuff in the corner is just lovely. 
you got you love that out the box. And Crawford went out and said, all right, dude, I don't believe I'm down, but fuck it. I'm going to go finish this. And finish it, he did. And like I said, to all the fence fanboys out there that just barely can say a nice word about Crawford, remember, he had over a minute left with two knockdowns, and he was already up on the cards. Like I said, well, at minimum, it's a 10-7, to 7, even, even if uh, Porter just held the rest of the round. It's a 10-7 to 7 round. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Great performance all around, though, especially the second half of the fight. And really, a, a, in many ways, Porter did some really, really good stuff. And I'm going to talk to John here in just a moment. We talked about, you know, is it going to be a blend of skills in Swarm, you know, the killer bee swarming on you with from Porter? Or is he going to mix it up maybe too much? And it's like, nah, you should get back to your bread and butter here. And he even admitted that I probably should have got on the inside more. And if anything, if anything, it's just not being at the end of that punch. You know what I mean? You're closing the gap so much. Now, getting there can be hard, especially when he's taking away your jab. And, and if he did thrust forward pause and like got too aggressive well that's where you get caught anyway so i do think he should have been more grimy on the inside i thought he had a really good game plan for a while i had him up in the fight um this is the furthest i think i've had anybody up in a fight on crawford i'll say that so crawford definitely to me even though he was you know, being patient, keeping his composure, measuring timing and all that. He was getting beat in this fight, you know, uh, in, in plenty of the rounds, I'd say. Um, and you could see, you know, a lot of people now are just going right to, oh, Spence is done. He'll knock out Spence too, you know. And he'll knock out everybody. And... There are things that Spence can do in a come-forward fashion that are a lot more fundamentally sound, and not to mention his jab and his hooks. And he, he can, like I said, he can deliver that come-forward, I'm going to walk you down, but he can do that with taking a side, step, uh, step to the side. He can pivot. He's a, smart, he's a smarter overall fighter than Sean Porter. So this whole thing of uh, he'll, he'll stop Spence. I just I'm not I'm not saying he can't. It's possible, but a lot of people are now just kind of throwing Spence under the bus. Like, nah, it just it's just gonna happen. And I get the fact that I understand why people favor Terrence Cropper in that fight. I've always I've been on the fence, but I've always been leaning towards Cropper. Like I said, same with this fight because of the versatility. But now that I see some things that Porter was able to accomplish in kind of similar fashion but way more fundamental and won't be leaping and stuff like that. And I'll say this, though. Earlier in the fight, I did see Porter moving his upper body and his head more. I mean, there's there'd be a handful of times where Porter would miss like two out of three shots or maybe even all three so he actually he just didn't keep up with that he didn't keep up with that and not to say that oh you know 
Spence is this guy who could just, you know, make you miss all day and all that, but he's a lot more fundamentally sound. Um, I mean, remember, it's not even that long ago that a lot of folks were saying that Errol Spence is going to be outboxed by Danny Garcia or Ryan Garcia. God, I just, I'm all over the place. Mikey Garcia. <laughs> right? A lot of people said that. A lot of experts said that. And that kind of rubbed Spence the, the wrong way. And in the first chunk of the fight, he showed off his boxing skills. And then the very next fight, he went right to Porter. You know what I mean? So to make it a brawl. So I don't, I think Porter, like if you look at, you know, the measuring stick is here though. And he passed the test cleanly. That is for sure. He's the only guy that had Kenny Porter going up on the canvas, on the, you know, and saying, nah, it's over. He's the only guy that did that. Period. So you can't take that away. No matter what you think of the stoppage, you still can't take it away. Okay? You can't. But like I said, there. There's some things that Spence can do. And, and, and I think if Spence fought a little cleaner, he would have been able to beat Porter a little cleaner. Now, would he have been able to stop him that way? Maybe if he was looking for counter shots, but maybe not. You know what I mean? So kudos to Terrence Crawford. Obviously, you know, Taylor has been talking a whole lot about going up. He's got a fight in what? February or March, Josh Taylor has a fight. So he's, I mean, I guess he could just go up there and drop off the belt or whatever, but you know, he's been out now for a little while and he probably doesn't want a full year to go by. If you got to fight Terrence Crawford, you know, um, and Crawford just got done now. So he can probably fight in the, you know, early spring, April, May or something like that. And even if he had to push it to June or July, it wouldn't be crazy because he won't have to sit out another year. Well, I shouldn't say that, but, you know, it wouldn't be another year off is the key, um, like it was this time, basically about a little over a year. So kudos to Crawford. He got the job done. Like I said, those first six rounds now, that was competitive. And that I can safely say after six rounds, like I said, maybe he was 3-3. I've never had him 3-3, and I definitely haven't had him down 4-2, ever. So those little – it's kind of funny because some of that stuff allows you to go, well, man, you put Spence in that scenario. Interesting, right? But in the same breath, look what he did in the fight, though. And once he took over the fight, he never, he never you know, he never gave it away. And he, and he finished him. So – Great performance by Crawford, especially in the second half of the fight, maybe the fourth round on. He only probably lost one or two rounds out of those. So um, he made the, you know, the adjustment. And he made a couple different adjustments, which that's why he's such a versatile, you know, top-notch, top-five pound-for-pound guy. But he also, when tasked at you got to go stop this dude or you got to at least score some knockdowns, when tasked, when, when his corner, a lot of corners will say a lot of things to people, but also they're boxing, right? They say a whole lot of stuff, and the boxer's like, you know what, I'm done, dude. Or I'm tired, or I'm hurt, or whatever. And they won't go out and do it. You know, we see that. Sometimes we see a corner, like Anthony Joshua was telling him to box some more. 
you know, when he's clearly down on the scorecard. His corner told him to go do something, and Crawford went and did it over a guy that's not easy to do that. Can you hit Sean Porter with flush shots? Oh, yeah. You can throughout the fight. Can you knock him down? Yeah, you can. Here and there, it's not like he's been knocked down all the time. He's not like Gamboa at this weight class or in Dom, right? But can you just go stop him? Is that something that is just kind of a run-of-the-mill thing? No, no, it's not. It's not. So where does Crawford go? Does he fight Taylor? Does he sign? You know, some people are like, hey, stay free agent like Canelo. Well, first of all, he's not Canelo. So this whole stay free, you know, I wouldn't sign a thing. Are you sure? So you wouldn't fight? You wouldn't sign something to say, well, I don't know if Ugas would even be involved in that because BA is figuring something out. Maybe they're not. I have no clue. But, um, you know, if you could get a two- to three-fight deal, it wouldn't be the worst thing. It does sound like he, he had some sort of agreement with MTK um, to represent him, and maybe he feels more comfortable than having Bomack you know, to have MTK to, to go approach these negotiations, whether it's one one off or, or a few fights or whatever with Al Heyman. And, I, and I, that's fair. You know, that is fair. Plus, they got, you know, they got some money bags. You know what I mean? They will, uh, maybe if the offer's a nice, healthy offer, but then they can put a little on top of it or something. I don't know. Maybe he just feels more comfortable that way. Now, that is cutting from your money, assumingly. So, instead of going right to Al and have him only cut your money, I don't. I really don't know. Um, you know, as far as uh, Spence next, if it happens in March, man, sign me up for it. Sign me up for it. But I, as a as a boxing fan and someone who's followed the sport for a while. And at times you can kind of see into the future, right? And I'm thinking uh, even I've even seen some super fanboy Crawford saying, nah, dude, let him get a fight and then fight him. Because the amount, like, there, he will not, and it really won't matter, <laughs> right? It won't matter in the at the end of the day. Let me clarify that. But as far as getting your full respect, for a guy that's going to be coming off over a year layoff, who's had one fight since September 2019, and, you know, internal injuries, right, time out of the ring, came back, looked pretty good, all things considered. I didn't think he looked as trash as everybody, or not everybody, some people said about Danny Garcia, that Danny Garcia fight. But then he's out for another year, coming off a retina. To me, as a fan, I actually, I'll take it. Dude, if they make it February or March, I don't think they'd make it February. I don't think you turn around and fight in February, uh, Crawford. But if they made it in March or whenever the hell they can make it, I'm all bored. I'm on board. Don't get me wrong. But I wouldn't mind, and I know people, oh, see, you don't want the big fight. No. It's just I can already see what the fuck's going to happen. And some of these, you know, Spence fans are going to make all these excuses to be fanboys. They're going to make all these excuses like, well, Maybe the fighter should have taken one fight. It's kind of like, but way different, not way different, but even more in a sense, because Thurman hasn't even had a fight 
Now, you can be in the gym, and being in the gym is great. No doubt. You stay sharp, all that. But there is something about fighting on the night with eight-ounce gloves and all that, right, to get all the rust out. Sometimes it takes – sometimes it's the whole fight where you don't look great. Sometimes it takes a couple rounds, then you start to look better, whatever. But I bring up Keith Thurman because Thurman's like, hey, I'll fight you next summer. And people are like, oh, that's, that's weak, dude. Oh, you, you're going to wait seven or eight months? Just get in the ring. It's like, dude, so you want – I mean, we see once you're out of the ring for more than a year and a half, two years, he's been out of the ring. Before you know it, it's going to be two and a half years. So you want him to be in, out of the ring two and a half to three years almost, and then your first fight back is Porter? Or, I mean, is Crawford? I just, to me, that doesn't line up. Now, if he takes it, that's fucking boss. To me, it, it seems like a cash-out fight to me. But I still went down the fight. That would be obviously part of my prediction. I just think giving Thurman a fight back, get him a fight, and then fight him in the summer. I don't think that's like something crazy. You know, and it's not like Crawford would have to wait a year, a year and a half for the summer. A six-month break is not that big of a deal, especially for a guy like Crawford, you know. And a lot of times when it is a big fight, there is a little gap in there. Then you can get the promo going, too. So, if he don't get me wrong. If he signs, that's awesome. But for the people that are dogging Keith Thurman for saying, I'll fight you in the summer, and he's going to fight in the spring. So, so, you just want Thurman to fight? I mean, let's say he fought him in the summer, July. Well, he, the last time he fought was July 2019 and like I said since September 2019 the Porter fight if you go that's over a year right well it's almost shoot yeah I mean it's it's over two years I should say and he's only had one fight in there uh Spence so it's like and then you want to go another like December like another 14 or 15 months without a fight and then fight. It just, to me, it just doesn't line up to make much sense. It really doesn't. Now, I, I'm not expecting, because it's not as long as Thurman being out. I'm not expecting to come back as a, you know, with a total nobody, you know. Now, if they call that IBS, I think people will probably say this guy's a total nobody. And maybe he'll be forced to, well, you're never forced to keep the belt, but to have undisputed you know, maybe there's a there's a chance there because the IBF is going to come a knock. You know, maybe this Josh Taylor thing would be better, or maybe wait until June or July to fight Thurman, or maybe fight somebody else in the top ten and then fight Spence at the end of the year. I really don't know. I really don't know, but his options are open. And from a, a boxing fan. And what's good for the sport? Would a Porter upset it would have been great? Yeah, it would have been great. It would have been great. But to be honest, and this isn't, you know, taking sides or anything like that, but having Crawford win this fight is better for boxing because it keeps the Spence Porter or the Spence Crawford thing around. And, 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 and more and more people are talking about it. Now, we did get a pay-per-view number that I'll talk about later in the show. Um, usually I'd be pretty suspect at something that comes out on a Monday and Tuesday, but we do have to remember it was digital buys only. 
So it is a lot probably easier to get a good hold of that um, digitally than it is the other way, you know. So I don't know. Um, it was Kevin Ioli. Um, I, yeah, it was Kevin who, who, who did it. Jake Donovan said he heard, you know, uh, a number short of that. Um, but we'll talk about that later. The gate did damn good. We don't know the exact number, but I heard it was just short of two million. Even if it was one point five to two million anywhere in there, that's that's a that's a big gate. That'd be as big biggest gate uh, because I think right now point four or one point six or something like that uh, in New York with Khan was his biggest gate. Otherwise, he wasn't actually going over uh, a million in, in those other fights. Just just coming short of it. But that would be a good sign. Now, the pay-per-view number, as far as we know it anyway, how it's being reported, is better than what he's done in the past. It is better. And, I'll, you know, I'll say this. I haven't, besides for ESPN and obviously Tom Brady too, but ESPN, you know, is the main network. So we always talk about how Fox pushes their fights, and Showtime, yada, yada, yada. Right? But there's two parts to this. One part is ESPN. This is the first ESPN fight beyond the opener to kick off the deal with Pacquiao Horn, which was on free ESPN from Australia, right? Beyond that one, because that one got a ton of, obviously it's Pacquiao, you know, and it's the opener for your, you know, for your deal. So that got more hype and that got more, uh, you know, it got more marketing. But this one, two weeks before the fight, last week, I was starting to see commercials on ESPN during games. I saw it during the NBA. I saw it during college basketball. I saw it during college football. So instead of just waiting till fight week or Thursday, Friday, Saturday to start talking about it, which sometimes that's the case, ESPN – did put more promo in this fight than any of them that I've seen. I, maybe the Lomachenko uh, Rigo is close, um, but for a pay per view fight, for sure, you know, for sure. So I think they did a pretty good job of that, and I think that plays into him doing more numbers than he did. It's not under a hundred thousand, which is what the postal. Crawford did way back in the day. Well, it's not way back, but you know what I mean. And it's a step up from what he did with Amir Khan. But in Porter, obviously fighting Porter, a guy that's fought so many people, and when he fought Thurman, when he fought Garcia, when he fought Spence, these were big crowds. So it definitely helped his gate revenue. That's for sure. And it was a, it was his best like B-side opponent. And we thought that going in, and the numbers kind of show that. But the other part of it is, and this is what Bob Arum tried to sell everyone, and he, he didn't get any pushback that I saw from the press. He was saying that because of the ESPN Plus model, and that's what he said for Crawford Spence, too, the, the only way we could, we got to include the ESPN Plus because that's that's where the biggest revenue is. And I get it. When you, when you go digital, you get to keep all the profits. I get that. However, you know, how much are they going to market it across more than just ESPN? Not much, They're not going to. 
and he kept saying UFC stuff. Oh, the UFC has done so well. Well, the UFC has been doing monthly pay-per-views, basically. No, it's not always uh, every – well, it is every month, isn't it? But sometimes they'll – I think every once in a while they'll, they'll have a two or three week. Sometimes they'll be like three and six weeks or something like that. Uh, but that's not constant. But they, my point is they've been doing pay-per-views for a long time, okay? And their pay-per-view numbers on the app is technically a little down. I care about that because they're trying to get people to sign up to ESPN+. Plus. And the UFC has a big fan base. Nowhere near, you know, way bigger than what top-ranked fighters have. That's just, that's not being biased. That's just, that's just facts. And so a, a thing that people aren't, they either don't know, some of the media members, or they just won't bring it up because it's top rank, that ESPN pays the UFC for every pay-per-view they do there. So they're going to, that's why the UFC didn't care. I mean, they got a gigantic deal from ESPN, one. And two, they're like, okay, this will take away some of our pay-per-view numbers. However, they give us a large chunk of money to make up for that. That's not how it works with this one. So in this scenario, when you don't have a proven pay-per-view guy, I think it was a mistake to make it just on the app. doesn't mean you couldn't still get 20% or 30% or whatever on the app. It doesn't mean maybe you get to half. I don't know. You'd still keep more money than you traditionally used to, right? But I did think that hurt it. And I know a lot of people, you know – well, even teens, but in their 20s and even in their early 30s, kind of scratched their head on. Like, dude, you can't if you can't figure out how to sign up for an app, and I, and I get all that. I, I'd figure it out. I'm older than 31, and I, I can figure it out. But you got to think of the casual fan. you got to think of just doing extra stuff. Some people won't even like, well, hold on. What do I got to do now? I got to sign up. So I have to have ESPN Plus. How much is that going to cost? And I know there's deals, but you re- remember – these deals weren't being marketed across all these platforms to people even for, for people to even know it though, you know. So we can tweet a deal on Twitter, but people following on Twitter, you know, especially the people that follow you and the people you follow, that's just one big community. Everybody fucking knows, for the most part, you know, especially by Fight Week that it was only going to be ESPN Plus, and a lot of them either have had it or know how to access it, whatever. It is basic. It is easy to do. But it's not just having to sign up for ESPN Plus. It's the fact that you didn't hear about it. There wasn't commercials other places. And I think maybe that hurt it. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. I know there was some talk about uh, when Fox did it, how, you know, they, they it was kind of like the cable companies were halfway pushing it, but not fully because of that app. But they were still pushing it. Not, not not like they used to maybe back in the day, but they were still pushing it, and it was available to buy right there. And let's not forget, the Zone, when they were doing pay-per-views with Canelo, they had it where you could buy it, or at least go to Fight TV, which is another uh, crossover type, you know, MMA and boxing fans go there. Um, because they already had it. And when you got to go extra steps, it sounds crazy to say people would be kind of turned off that. But when you can just literally go to Twitter and get a stream for free, 
And you're like, ah, fuck it, dude. I'll just go out and watch it at the bar or watch it at someone's house or whatever, you know. So maybe that played into it, too. Um, but we're going to see. It was funny how Crawford, right in front of Bob, and, and this is what he should have done anyway. Before, he was kind of kind of kissing his ass too much, to be honest. Like last summer, I was like, really? You're going to just let him say that? And then you're going to turn around and, and not say much? Um, but he, he did say, you know, it, if I can't get the fight with you, you know, if I'm off contract, it's, you know, I'm not going to be able to get the fight. I'm not going to be able to get the fight. Tonight. And that's clear. You know? That was clear in 2018, you know, especially when Manny went to the BBC. That's why I did have some of us scratching our head a little bit, you know, that he signed a deal or whatever. But then again, if you look at his minimums, they were pretty damn healthy. So I don't know. I'm not really sure. Uh, what he's going to do, but I want to personally congratulate Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter for a great career. The guy has fought so many fighters, man. And that's why it's kind of a bummer that it went out like that, and I know you could kind of just feel him bummed out about it, but he's a positive person, and he's going to, you know, you can already see him in a different, I think he did a little clip for his uh, podcast, and you can already see he's a little little bit better mood than he was even yesterday than the day before so um you know all praise both guys here and yeah terrence crawford you know this is like he made his money made some good money for fighting guys that weren't top top tippy top level at the welterweight division um because you know and i know the pacquiao horn well i didn't have horn won the fight but you know what I find here, and this is actually out of Cropper's mouth, but I've heard plenty of people say this. So he thought, well, I beat the man that beat the man. Well, most people didn't think that Pacquiao got beat by Horn. Most people think Horn lost that fight. But, you know, factually speaking, that's true. But then he'll turn it, and I'm not just blaming uh, Terrence on this. I'm blaming other people, too, even in the media, not just fans, that'll say, well, I thought Ugas beat Porter. Well, that's cool. That's a fair, that's fair, you know? Okay. But in the end, Porter went down in history as beating him. Can't, you can't go both ways. But the point is, he wasn't fighting the top-level guys. We all know it. It was basically eye test and accomplishments he had had against Postal and Gamboa. And other, it's not like he didn't fight quality, Felix Diaz, like quality fighters. It's just they weren't top-notch. So now... Considering the level of opponent and how much money he was making, he did damn good for himself. So now it seems like he's in legacy mode. And I respect that, and it's time. It is time. You do have to go and have a conversation with Al Heyman. Whether you go there with MTK or not, you got to figure this out. And I know a lot of folks like Montero and others, oh, no, he, he should just do it just like Canelo. Nope, you shouldn't sign one. Nope, nope. Now Wilder and Charlo and all these other guys got to sign multi-fight and six-fight and, and three, four-year deals with the zone, right? That was what was expected of them. But now, no, 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 no. He, he shouldn't do any. He shouldn't do it. It'd be crazy to sign a, a, a two-fight or a multi-fight agreement with Al like he's going to shortchange him or some shit like that. You got a better chance of getting the fight if we want – Charlo to go fight Andre on the zone, 
then why wouldn't we, you know what I mean? It, it goes both ways. So I hope he does figure this out. Now, Spence is the one saying, I, I'm coming back in February or March, and I'm coming back against us all the opponents. Now, does that mean they're going to figure something out and, ha- and reconvene in the WBA and say, you know what? We're going to make Stanonius and Butiev, Butaev, right, and make that fight. What I do know is the people behind him, Richard Schaefer and company, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to – I don't know. I don't know if they're going to allow that, to be honest with you. I could give two shits if he drops the care less. I know it won't be, you know, let's say Spence beats Ugas and then Crawford. Oh, it won't be undisputed. Okay, cool. But <laughs> I could give two shits about that, to be honest. Do, do I want all the belts in there? Yeah. Because, man, if we can get another undisputed fight, we've been having a nice run of them, sign me up. I just was talking about news for Charlo Castaño, another undisputed fight for the rematch, right? Sign me up for it. But... If Ugas has to drop the belt, then he has to drop the belt to get the fight, whether that's Spence or to get a Crawford fight or whatever. I'm okay with that. I don't really care. And and I guarantee you there's going to be a chunk of people that will look at it like a cheapened fight or something. And we'll finally get Spence and Crawford, and then they'll be like, oh, it's not as good now, bro, because all the belts. But I hate the belts, and they're bullshit. For F the belts, right? It, oh, it could be undisputed. Oh, no, I, no. Let, let's make it, you know. So whatever it is, whatever it is. I don't expect a February-March fight to be Crawford and Spence. No, this thing would have done – and this is what – I didn't finish my thought about Aram. He said it was going to do anywhere from 500000 to $1.5 million. And And nobody checked him on it. Everybody knew this wasn't going to be 500000 I mean, I thought Eidick on Twitter, when he said 350, this would have, this should have at least done four, 350 to 400. I think that's nuts. I don't think it should have at least done that. Now, did it have a chance to do that? Well, I don't think so. <laughs> Better than Spence and Porter. Now, Porter got a lot of buzz after that, though, right? Because it was such a great fight, and sometimes that builds you into a, a better B-side. But... I didn't see that fight going over 300000 But had it even done 300000 to be able to keep all that profit, that would have been a major thing. And even at one whatever it is, uh, 150, 175, 190, whatever it is, right? Uh, the highest one, 190, what, what, that's what was uh, uh, Kevin said that one. Jake said he heard a little. Other people say it was, you know, in that 175, 150 range, whatever. But that's still, you have a better shot of breaking even off of that ESPN Plus because you get to keep all the money, but it also does limit you. Anyway, that's enough talking from me. Like I said, we'll talk about Andre. I'll play some audio. Um, He was lively after the fight, no doubt about it, and he stopped a fighter early in a fight, which doesn't always happen. We'll talk about, you know, a variety of other items, too. MJ was in action. There were some interesting fights. Right now, though, I'm going to go ahead and bring in a great boxing mind, John. 
see what's going on with him, see what he thinks of this fight. Going to unmute him here. What's going on, John? How you doing, man? Hey, Chris. Uh, great to be here tonight, as uh, always, and just, just listening to your uh, your recap of things from the weekend. Yeah, I got a little long-winded in there. <laughs> it happens. You know, talking about it boxing, you all, get excited. It happens to all of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so before we get into any kind of exterior, outside the ring stuff, let's start in the ring, Crawford, Porter. And let's break this up maybe in two halves, whether it's the sixth round and on and the sixth round before, whatever. Um, clearly, Porter was doing better in the first six rounds than, you know, round seven to ten or whatever. Tell me how you saw this fight play out. Tell me your perspective of both sides, what you thought this, you know, this fighter was doing good, bad, blah, blah, blah. And then obviously we'll get into how the fight stopped and what you think of that as well. I think, um, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a competitive fight, but outside of the fact that in the end Crawford got a stoppage, I, I didn't think it was a great fight. Um, I thought the way you did, I, you know, I thought Porter did what I thought he was going to do. Uh, at age 34, he wasn't ready to bring the full-out intensity, but he was willing to bring it a bit in spurts and do that kind of boxing thing that he did more, uh, you know, against uh, Garcia and, and Ugas. But But there were moments that, you know, he was bringing it a bit in the fashion like he did against Spence and Thurman, but just not that much. It was kind of a calmer pace type fight, but I was with you. A lot of close rounds, but I actually did think Porter was taking him. Uh, you know, two judges had him down, I guess, five foreign rounds. The time it got stopped, one judge had him down 6-3. Couldn't see that. Uh I'm with you, really, and what some other people were saying. I, again, I, I don't think the rounds were real decisive, but I thought it would be reasonable to have Porter up in the fight. Now, as you pointed out cor- correctly, you can't take it in a vacuum. You've got to take it with what then did happen. And in the 10th round, you know, for whatever reasons, uh, Crawford did come out and uh, you know, drop Porter a couple of times, and then uh, you know, the, the corner stopped the fight. Uh, so I, I think I'm impressed with the knockout streak uh, Crawford's been on. Like you said, you know, some of the fighters, maybe you don't really, if you want to use elite as the term, you don't quite classify them there, but they're good. Kind of, or, you know, decent. Re- reminds you a little bit almost of, I think, a, a little higher. It's a high, it was even a little higher level than that overall, maybe. But kind of like a you know a run that Golovkin was on stopping people when he was stopping people I mean the fact that you know he was on such a long KO streak now Crawford's streak's not like that but you know he, he's doing it in terms of length but he's doing it at the top of the division uh, he, you know he's got an alphabet belt uh, so in other words the mere fact that he's stopping everybody and you know of course Sean Porter's a very good fighter has had a very good career very tough guy, uh, you know, the most recent stop is being that that's impressive, but 
the fight itself, really up to that point, I, I don't think what Crawford was doing was all that impressive. Uh, you know, I, I think you've got people kind of reading into things because of what the ultimate result was. Like, you know, that's where I do disagree. Sure. You know, you know, you were saying it some, but but you weren't saying it like I've seen some other people say. Like, you know, kind of the old thing. There, there was a master class in there that we, we just weren't noticing. Right. No, there really wasn't a master class in there that we weren't noticing. He just wasn't doing all that much, wasn't that great of a fight. Really probably should have been behind on the scorecards, I think. At the very worst, the five to fours he were up were reasonable. But then, like you said, you, you, you know, you do have to give him credit. He exploded. The knockdowns were legitimate. Porter's a tough guy. You're getting into a, a little bit of the corner stoppage. It does fit on a theme you know I've been on in recent months, Chris, which even with the long time I've been watching the sport, don't get me wrong, there's many fights I've watched over the years where some fighter's taking a beating, giving it all he's got, and you find yourself saying, hey, I, I kind of like to see the corner step in on this one. But I, I, I think that that's becoming a little too – and you don't want anybody to get seriously hurt, but – I think that's becoming a, a little, you know, too popular lately. I mean, let's face it, boxing's a brutal sport. All the fighters are risking their lives, and, and we don't want anybody to lose it, or, or and we want them to get as little permanent damage as possible. But people get away from, they get in denial about the objective of professional boxing is, they don't want to accept it, but it just is by definition, which is to cause head trauma on your opponent. Now, that is brutal but that is the objective of the sport and everybody that watches the sport and follows that has made some moral deal with themselves or justification and, you know, for why the fighters do it. And, you know, that's a topic for another day, but just the point is that's part of it. It's not going to be eliminated unless there's no pro boxing or anything resembling what we've known it as for these, you know, all these decades going back to the start of the, you know, the marquee rules, um, so my point is that, you know, we're getting into too many corner stoppages, I think. Um, and, you know, I, I like to go back cause to me, it's the most famous example. And, and ironically, in this case, I think it was a good stoppage in the corner did the right thing. But when Victor Valley jumped in the ring, when Jerry Cooney was starting to take a beating from Larry Holmes in the 13th yeah. round in 1992, remember that was ruled initially and officially at the time as a disqualification because the Nevada rule that then was the only place in the U S that had legal sports betting. And of course would had become the boxing capital of the world. What the reason that Nevada had that in large part was because they did, didn't want corner men who that wasn't their job jumping into the, jumping into the ring or, or, you know, stopping fights in the corner with, with possibly influencing gambling outcomes, okay? In other words, you know, even though nobody's above reproach, we know pastimes in sports, you know, NBA ref Tim Donahue in recent years was involved in it, you know. Of course, even a referee in theory could be uh, approached, you know, by gamblers or involved, be involved in gambling himself. But the point is, 
you know, the commission still control the referee, the judges. And, and I do agree with that idea. In other words, we have control. But then when you get into corner men, they're not controlling the corner men. So you start having over and unders on rounds or KO props. And, and who knows who's, you know, how many guys in the corner and, and fights start getting stopped. I mean, that's one reason. But, but it's not the only reason. I, I get into what I've, I've said in recent weeks on the show here. Um, look, let, let's step back from it a moment. Yeah, we know the old kind of mythology that the fighter's corner knows him better than anybody else, but it's it's the referee's job to decide whether the fight gets stopped, okay? They're supposed to be trained for that. Let's Let's get back to going to the referee, even though we know plenty of referees are flawed. Still, that's their job. That's what they're in the ring for. That's what the sport's supposed to, how it's supposed to work. Let's get back to the referees making the call as to whether the fight's going to get stopped. Now, in this case, would the outcome, and you've got to be fair to Crawford, would this outcome have been any different at that point? No. I don't, Porter's not a power puncher. Uh, he wasn't going to survive and then come back with a power assault. And as you correctly pointed out, he was already down twice in the 10th round. It's going to be a 10-7 round. Uh, you know, judges who had a reasonable score, five for Crawford, it was going to be out of reach on the scorecards even if Porter survived. So you take no credit away from Crawford for the victory, and it's not his fault that, uh, you know, Kenny Porter jumped in. Give him credit for another stoppage. That's an impressive streak of stoppages by Crawford, and I give him all the credit in the world. So, you know, now you get into, you talked about, you know, Spence, of course, has had, the, the serious injuries from the accident and then a very serious injury with a detached retina. He's got to come back from, you know, considering those factors, he's got a good win against, um, you know, he's got a good win against Garcia. In, in the meantime, um, Danny Garcia, but, you know, is it at a point now where you make Crawford the number one guy in the world with the, the, the true title holder yet to decide or dispense, keep that spot. It doesn't really matter to me if both of them fight. They're clearly one and two. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there's arguments to be made both ways there. Uh, I, I'm ready to see the fight. I, I hope, you know, you know, if Spence is fully recovered from the retina, but that's, that's the thing, frankly, don't really know the details on and that's kind of what you were alluding to with some of the out of the ring stuff but it it may just be time i mean you know crawford's 34 years old i mean i think pre-stoppage in this fight he he didn't really look as good uh you know he's he's got an impressive stoppage streak good win for him but you know you you know you could see a little bit a little bit of slowing up in the in in the the rounds like you said especially some of the earlier rounds uh in the fight but, you know, uh, again, I think what, what was intriguing about this fight is, let's face it, you had unofficially a, a PBC welterweight division that had the talent. So this was like, in that sense, a crossover division type fight. You know, of course, they're in the same weight division, but in terms of promotions, you know, I think whether fans, some fans straight out admitted it, some didn't want to admit it, like you said, maybe some particular Crawford fans, but I think most reasonable fans deep down the intrigue of this fight was, you know, Crawford crossing over into the B- the PBC division is the talent going to hold up that welterweight. And it did. So 
that's what this fight was about to me. That was really the only intrigue about this fight to me. I didn't have much doubt about Crawford winning, but I do have to say the way it played out before the stoppage, I'm with you, Chris. I, I think probably being underrated in this fight is the fact that even though Crawford got it done, really didn't expect an argument for Porter to be ahead on the cards at the time he didn't eventually succumb and get stopped. That that was a bit surprising. Now, he was not actually up, according to the judges, but he was within one right. point on two cards. So, you know, we were in the late rounds, and this fight was still up for grabs on the scorecards. Uh, that was, I think, a bit of a surprise, but kudos to Crawford for getting the job done against the PBC guy, yeah. another top welterweight to, to validate that. And I think that's what this fight ended up being about. But in the end with the pay-per-view numbers, you know, they are limited by the ESPN plus app because, you know, it's just like when a fight's only on Showtime, even though that's not pay-per-view, you know, you're limiting or, or right. only on design. You're just limiting. I mean, TV people know these things. I mean, it's, it's, the available households, the available people to get it. You know, when that's capped off the bat, and I do see people tweeting on Twitter, even people who write boxing. Now, now some totally understand it, but some don't at all. The the ones that don't get the TV, that flies right over their head. (laughs) They don't get the idea that, like, you know, when DAZN has, let's let's say, the number that was last rumored, I'm sure it's lower than that now probably, but, you know, let's say it's held 800,000 subscribers in the U.S. That doesn't mean 800,000 subscribers, even though we know they market it to boxing a lot. It still doesn't mean 800,000 subscribers watch every boxing fight that is on DAZN. That means that's the peak. If every person that sub- subscribes to DAZN watches a fight, they get 800. That never happens. You know, 25 million people subscribe to Showtime. You know, 25 million people don't watch a fight on Showtime. I mean, you're you're dealing with... Or a different show or whatever, right? Yeah, that's just the way humans watch their content, I mean, in the United States. It's it's always a small percentage of your subscribers, unless it's a mega event or, you know, your available households that actually sees it, unless it's a mega event like... You know, even though this is old, you can still say it because it holds up like, you know, the last episode of MASH or the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, those are those are TV events where, you're, you know, you're 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 getting closer to half your available households watching it. I mean, think of that close to half. And these are like the biggest events of all time. So just a little less than that. So, you know, a 190 number on ESPN Plus. I mean, it, it's not good in terms of how many people see the fight. You can't rationalize it that way. Uh, but you know, you're you're capped because you're on ESPN Plus. So I, I would, I'm with you. I mean, it it could have been worse. Uh, people underestimate that you get help, and they don't get this either. Porter has made a lot of network TV appearances. Even if he's the quote unquote B side. That drives up your TV numbers. That's another thing a lot of people just don't get. And Crawford's numbers lift a little bit because he's made enough ESPN appearances now. You know, it's those things that lift numbers. Like, even though Canelo's the biggest draw in boxing concept, that one of the reasons that last fight did well pay-per-view is Caleb Plant's been on network TV. He's had network TV exposure. Doesn't matter if he's the B-side. That makes a difference. There's some percentage of people out there then that know who he 
is who would not have known, and then they ultimately end up being pay-per-view buyers. That's that's the way that works. That's what drives your numbers up. That's why Caleb Plant does better than Liam Smith on pay-per-view when he fights Canelo. I mean, you know, right. people don't get that. They say, oh, no, he had nothing to do with it. It's Canelo. Yeah, it's Canelo, but right. it's just like, you know, when HBO was building up Golovkin, he stole the B-side to Canelo, but, and, and when he does a pay-per-view on his own against Lemieux, he does like 100000 but he was also doing numbers in HBO's later days of like 900000 1 million when he was appearing on HBO. So, you know, HBO had 40 million subscribers then. So, you know, he's, he, he's getting seen by enough people that he's bringing something to the table. Uh, that that's the way that stuff works. You still got an A side, but it's it, it does better when when people know both fighters. That lifts things up. So it, it was just probably I, I I think we're getting over pay per viewed now. I mean, like, you know, we talked about it last week. It, just another example of that. I mean, there's yeah. this is gonna we're gonna we're gonna be heading back to the 2014 with the pay per view fatigue. But if you want to look at a positive for boxing, UFC doesn't like to talk about it, but you know, a lot like you said, they run one about every month and not all of them do well the the 190 from what i've heard of espn plus ufc numbers pay-per-view the 190 is probably doing like like around what some of their lesser ones are not not their their bigger sellers but you know some of their lesser ones so actually they'll they'll probably take that yeah and some of it is reach too when you're on you know, we're talking about Canelo, and some of it's just reach, like being able to reach people to say, hey, this fight's going on, we're going to put it during an NFL game, in a college football game, because to your point about the 800,000, that was peak on the zone. And let's not forget, that was Canelo, well, Golovkin fighting before that, then Canelo fighting Kovalev, then Jake Paul fighting, then... Um, AJ and Ruiz too fighting. They only got to eight hundred thousand something with all that going on, and and, and right. then you could turn around from twenty dollars to eighty dollars and do the same number. And I think that right there shows you what reach does too. You know what I mean? It's like oh, it definitely. does have something to do with CBS, like you said in Fox, and it's not always. It does have a lot to do with putting in front of that crowd, but also that commercial run, that talking about it, the different interviews that they can go on, just random stuff to make you go, oh, I've heard about that fight twice now. I'm going to call my hardcore fight fan and say, hey, who is this plant now? Oh, you know, I did see this, blah, blah, blah. So that that definitely plays in it, no doubt about it. You know, we'll, uh, you know, obviously all these pay-per-views in a row, you know, that didn't help stuff. Um but, yeah, overall, um, it'll be interesting to see what Crawford does from here now that he's a free agent. You know what I mean? Well, what's your hunch, or do you not really have one, and you're kind of waiting to see what he does? I guess that Josh Taylor fight technically is still out there, too. Um, but but what, what's your hunch that he's going to do? You think he'll still- I got a hunch. I got a hunch what, what he's saying is probably true, that he probably – He's not Canelo, but he's probably looking at what Canelo's doing and saying, you know, can I, you know, can I go to, I think he's probably was telling the truth what he said, you know, this weekend. I mean, you know, he's probably looking at it and saying, hey, you know, Aram, 
can't, you know, I don't think he's mad at him or anything, but I think he's just stating a fact, you know, he can't get me to Spence fight, you know, yeah. implying, yeah. which makes sense, you know, I, I can go with Al, you know, he's looking at what Canelo just did with Plant, and he's probably saying, you know, can I, can I go, and look, that, that's, a, that's a fight that's worthy of pay-per-view. I mean, there's not too many fights in boxing we can say that about right now, even though we know we're going to be paying for more than the ones that are worthy. But, you know, that one's worthy of pay-per-view. I mean, that's like a throwback pay-per-view fight. So, you know, he might be looking at and saying, hey, you know, in the U.S. with some good network promotion, uh, or he, you know, he and his people probably saying, you know, can I get with Al Heyman and uh, get this on a – on a Showtime or a Fox pay-per-view, and and you know, can can we do can we do five hundred, eight hundred thousand? Uh, and they they probably probably can for that fight, um, you know. And then can I, you know, could I, you know, he maybe he actually, you know, despite what people say on Twitter and things like that, he's been with them a long time, and at this point, he's made quite a bit of money. You know, maybe maybe he's. Good with Bob Arum, maybe he's thinking, I, let, let me take a Spence fight and then go back and fight Taylor, uh, you know, uh, after Taylor. Because I hate these mandatory things because they're crummy fights most of the time, and, and uh, people get it backwards because the, ter- the term's what it should be, and it's not. Like, my point being, you know, you, you've got people saying, well, Jack Catterall deserves a shot at Taylor. Why? Why? Because some alphabet organization said he should have fought him a few years right. ago when he didn't deserve it. That that means he deserves it because he's been sitting around undeservedly waiting for a Taylor, undeservedly waiting for a Taylor fight because the WBO says it. I mean, that's an easy knockout for Taylor. I mean, Catterall, people say, oh, no, he's not that good. He's not that good. And he, and he doesn't have the, the significant wins to warrant it. So that's an easy fight for Taylor that he's just going to build up in the U.K., and, you know, it's not going to mean much to the, the everybody else around the world, and he's going to stop him easy. So, you know, it, it might be the type of thing like, you know, and you, you can tell that Taylor's not going to back off on that easy payday. He's going to take that one. So, uh, you yeah. know, it might be the type of thing Taylor's going to take that payday. And then, you know, maybe, you know, in your ideal world, the Crawford Spence gets put together by uh, PBC, and maybe it is just a, a thing like Canelo. He, he does it for a fight, and then maybe he does go back with Aram and uh, fight Taylor at welterweight. I mean, it's not an impossible scenario, but um, no, like like you said, Chris. You know, everybody's not Canelo. You know, maybe we don't know behind the scenes as big as Crawford Spence is. Maybe maybe Al Heyman and PBC aren't interested in letting Crawford fight Spence and then walk it. Walk it away from it. Uh, we know how those things have gone right. in boxing yeah. for years. Maybe it does in, take in the a form of, deal, you know? Yeah, in the form of exclusive TV deal. So uh, that that's going to be interesting to see how that uh, how that plays off. You know, if they're saying, "Hey, Crawford, we just we just want to sign you. You're not Canelo." Uh, and you know, with the fights available over there, I mean, you know, he doesn't get Taylor, but he get about everything else. So, I, I mean, maybe right. maybe he should think about it. He's 34. Uh, you know, it's going to be going to, it is going to be really interesting, but I hope we don't lose the Crawford Spence fight while they're still both undefeated. Uh, even though it's a high risk for Errol Spence, I, I am starting to wonder. I mean, it would seem to be like a cash out, but maybe it's just a. I mean, to me, I give him credit. I mean, to me, the Danny Garcia fight was a risk of a cash out coming off that accident, and he he overcame sure, yeah. it. Now, Danny Garcia is not Terrence Crawford. And now he's got the retina, but, no. you know, Sugar Ray Leonard only had one fight. 
between his retina and the Hagler legendary comeback, you know, the Kevin Howard fight when then he retired again. Um, yeah, where he looked pretty but, bad. <laughs> yeah, he got dropped uh, by Kevin Howard, who wasn't yeah. a puncher. Uh, but he did have that fight in there. But but then he was off for a long time before he fought yeah. Hagler. So, you know, one fight a month, a very, very long layoff. And then he, he pulled the, you know, one of the upsets of all time over Hagler. Um, you know, maybe – Hey, these are what boxing stories are made of. I mean, when you really look at it with how big that fight is, you know, you could lose to somebody else along the way. I mean, maybe, maybe Spence, I I don't know what the eye condition is now. That's why I don't see the doctor reports, of course. And, you know, if he's got like a, you know, a full release, it's safe. I mean, maybe, maybe it's a gamble he should take. I mean, that's the way I'm leaning. I'm I'm not saying it's going to happen, but maybe if it works business-wise for PBC, maybe Spence just takes that gamble now and, and fights Crawford while they're both undefeated, real big fight. And then if he wins it, of course, you know, he, he he's a hero and he's on top of the game. And, you know, if he loses, he took a gamble coming yeah, off. Maybe it's a rematch. It's a fight anyway, you know? Sure. And he gets a huge Sure, there'll payday. be rematch clauses in that, you know? And, and you know, the way life is, um, I always like bringing up that Tony <laughs> It's just a good story, though, for these kind of situations, even though it's the most extreme one. And it's but it's a true story. You know, Tony Ayala Jr. was in prison for 15 years, you know, with the rape conviction, uh, you know, with an undefeated record, you know, had been near the top of the sport when he got imprisoned. And HBO offered him one million dollars when he got out to fight Felix Trinidad in the first fight out. And, uh, you know, it just would have been intriguing. Of course, he would have gotten crushed. But. You know, at the time, you had that weird intrigue because nobody would seen him fight for 15 years, and it, it would have been huge ratings. And, you know, the Ayala team yeah. turned it down and said, no, we want to make a real run at this. And, well, you know, as we know, you know, because when you're out for 15 years, the real run at it didn't really go all that well and didn't end up making a lot of money. And, uh, you know, it just didn't really work. You know, ended up picking up a loss, and, and it just didn't really work out. Um, so, you know, not saying – they could have known that for sure, but you know, sometimes there is a time where, yeah, maybe even if it's competitively not necessarily going to work out, uh, there's enough money there. Maybe you need to take that that gamble. Um, I, I think maybe for Spence, it, it, it could it could be that time as long as it's safe. Uh, Crawford is getting old, 34. Uh, nobody lasts forever. It's welterweight, so uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a reasonable calculated risk to do that. Yeah, and he did say it was a big fight. And even if you took on Ugas, it's not like you get to walk in the park. You know what I mean, stylistically. So, and the one thing I'll say about this is, you know, he was able to have a fight last December. And then we know he'd been training for quite some time, just staying in the gym and kind of changing back to what he was a couple of years ago as far as staying in the gym, keeping his weight down, basically. And I, I agree. That means a lot. Pretty- Yep, and he got pretty much a full camp in, too. Like, because it was, what, 10 days before the fight, and they, they called the fight for him anyway? The post, You know, they didn't postpone it, but they pulled him because they found the retina issue. Well, he did get a full camp, at least. So maybe he's thinking, hey, I'm in great shape. I'm sharp. I'm now back in the gym because, you know, they, they, he did get clearance to at least go back in the gym. He says February or March, you know, they did say they had a, I mean, Ugas even said that he signed 
his part of the contract to fight Spence in February. So, which we still don't know what exactly what will happen with that WBA. We, we don't know for a fact um, because you just never know. You know, you never know with that stuff. It feels like they're going to make a fight, Stanonius, but, um, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe Schaefer and them would pull up a lawsuit. Maybe they're working on a deal right now. You know, who knows? But are they going to dump? They're going to have to step aside twice then. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, because me, if he fights me, Ugas, then that Cropper fight's going to be there, you know? Yeah, for me, it's just crazy, though. You know, you alluded to it, Chris, but I got to say it because when I read the stuff and people tweeting about it, it just drives me crazy. I mean, if you can't care about Spence Porter or it lessens your enjoyment because the WBA plastic belt is not on the line, I mean, I, I don't know what to t- I just don't right. know what to tell you. I mean, I, I see people, you know, they don't get it. You, you just You just need – the alphabet organizations are not credible, so you don't need this concept of "quote unquote" undisputed. Yeah. You just need the two best guys in the division, legit best guys in the division, to fight. That's that's all you need. I mean, that's the real champ. You don't need, you know. Well, the WBA says, or the WBO says, this other undeserving guy has a bell. You know, right. so, so that's got to be picked up. I mean, look, you know what. what I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big booster of Canelo in terms of belief in his abilities. I have been for a long time. I still am. Nothing's changed. But so I, it shouldn't be taken as too big of a knock. But when, when Canelo decided that at 168 he's going to do the quote unquote undisputed thing, I mean it's not a coincidence. I mean he looked at who he was going to have to fight and said, "Sure, yeah, now, now I need to do the undisputed yep. thing." In other words, it wasn't that like Canelo had in his own mind. You know, he knows how to market it, too, and people have things, yes. you know, whispering into his ear about that. 160 was there to be undisputed in, too, right? 160 right, was open to be exactly. undisputed as well. I mean, 175 right. was there for the undisputed, too, where he would have had to go through Beter Biev and, you know, Bivol uh, after Kovalev. But, you know, I mean, come on. I mean, just saying, don't don't get caught up in the alphabet belt thing. I mean, people should not be enabling this stuff. I, I, I There was a good tweet. You know, by uh, Rich Diggs, I think, had put it out this week. I retweeted it um, because, you know, he, he's younger than me, and, and he, I could see he's, he's starting to see it a little bit, which is good. Like, um, you know, because to, to me, too many people don't see it because the younger people beat into the head with these alphabet belts, and frankly, there's not as many boxing writers like there used to be who, who criticize and ridicule these things. I mean, we've lost a lot of that, so I don't blame people – who are younger boxing fans, you know, they don't have the, the regular boxing writers in the newspapers either or the magazines ridiculing these things. You know, a lot of times they have people who are tied with promotions now writing, just pumping up this stuff. I mean, the point what, what Rich was tweeting about was that, you know, the promoter, this is what I've seen the last few months and starting to bother me because I want it to be the other way, but, but I got to, I'm bothered by what I'm seeing is, you know, the TV networks and the promoters, using these things as marketing tools, feeding them, feeding them, feeding them, they're starting to win the battle. In other words, you've got fans walking sure. around now, and, and all boxing fans are pretty much hardcores, even though people throw around the term casual because it, it pretty much is a hardcore niche. So, you know, that, 
they're they're kind of brain, especially especially I've seen even some older hardcores brainwashed, but uh, more younger ones. Uh, you know that that this is matters. Like in other words, you know, if some undeserving person has the IVF belt, that unless you know somebody far superior to them picks that up too, it doesn't. You know, you're not undisputed. Like you know, I don't even want to cite the name, but I but I saw an older writer who really does know better and is a as a legit historian talking about this week that well you know I've back and studied things and I really don't consider somebody undisputed unless they picked up the WBLO belt starting in like you know 2000 or something like that and I'm thinking like you're a boxing historian and you're 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 going back and legitimizing right. this myth of the four belt era I mean, that's like blasphemy right. for a boxing historian to be, exactly. you know, embracing these terms. And I'm afraid we're losing, we're losing the battle. I thought it, I thought it could be won because it's so ridiculous. But and people lashed out the WBA recently, but but here they are worried about just what you talked about. Like, well, Ugas is being made to fight Stanionis by the WBA, and then Spence would have to wait to pick. Uh, who cares? I mean, who, who yeah. cares? Who cares if Ugas dumps the WBA belt in the trash? I mean, I I, I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. I mean, that you know, it's just let's get the two best guys. I mean, Spence and Crawford fight tomorrow, and there's no alphabet belts on the line. I literally don't give a damn. I don't give a damn. Yes. I mean, you know. You know, you've got transnational. I mean, the ring goes way back, but you know, I understand. The thing is, the ring is owned by a promotional company now. So, I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, I'm glad it's still going, but you know, there is a there is a conflict there. You know, you you hope it doesn't yeah. manifest itself, but you can't say that there's not a conflict. So, um, but you know, that's where I think I don't think lineal is a cop out or an excuse. Lineal is the way you need to go. So, you know, I think you right. need to look at lineal concepts or transnational or the ring, some combination of, of those three, but forget the alphabet stuff. I mean, it's, it's asinine and, and they're corrupt. So just forget about it. Yeah. Very well said. Very well said. Um, so any other items you want to talk about when it comes to this, obviously it was a pretty poor card, you know, or did you want to maybe yeah. switch, uh, Switch to what well what Demetrius Andre did, but also said after. But there were some uh, fights: uh, Julio Cesar Martinez and McWilliams Arroyo. That that fight was about to freaking pop off. I mean, well, it was popping off until you know the no contest. But both guys <laughs> scoring knockdowns in the first um, round. I think Arroyo was a left hook and then a flurry and then a just a big old left hook um, from Martinez. And it was like, okay, here we go. Martinez, I thought, won the second round, obviously. Um, you know, it was a fun, freaking fun fight. Now, maybe maybe that knockdown, I can't remember. You know, I don't know if I, I saw it again. It kind of looked like there was a push, but it kind of looked like there was punches involved as well. But obviously, you know, it was a really bad headbutt. There was a no contest. Um, and then we saw MJ Akhmadov, uh come back. Um, what do you think of his performance? And maybe you could talk about whatever you'd like to talk about on the zone card. Yeah, Akhmadaliev, I think he's good. 
Um, but in the few, you know, this this was not a legit top ten level opponent late sub. But you know, you got to dismiss the opponent on this one. So I don't think he's looked spectacular. I, I think he's looked, I think he's looked solid in, in recent fights, but not spectacular. Uh, you know, I, I think with some of the other good fighters that are out there, and you know, there's only four pounds difference between bantamweight and 122, and and 122 and 126. So, so to me, in, when you get in those situations, you got to look at the broader landscape. I mean, there's, there's certainly guys that are, you know, th- threats threats to beat him, and, and vice versa. But, you know, I don't, I don't think he's, I think he's good, but, but I don't, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a monster. You know, one of these uh, unbeatable monster type guys. So, uh, you know, I, I think that with him, you know, I was surprised that um, Martinez got got dropped, but uh, you know, this fight with McWilliams Arroyo, I didn't think we really needed to see it in the first place, so, that, so that's why I was saying like, you know, I don't think we need a rematch of it, uh, e- even though you had the the the, the two knockdowns um, I, I don't think we need, I don't think we need to see it again um, some better fights, uh, you know, even though there was, there was action in the brief time it lasted that's why I think yeah. of him, Andre, I'm glad he took care of business you know, I did preface that. That one I, I had right. Not that people were out there really saying Quigley's going to win or anything like that. But, you know, he's a guy that I was high on very early in his career. But, you know, for whatever reason, he he really uh, stopped showing anything early on. But but I did look, you know, of course the opposition gets a little bit better. But, but sometimes it's more than that. I think it was with him. I, I don't know. He's kind of an advanced age for a guy that's just fighting top up opposition, and you know some some people then peak early and they start to lose it. So what I'm saying is, you know, even right before he fought Glenn Tapia, who was totally shot, and he was supposed to stop and should have stopped early, and Tapia ended up going the distance with him. He never looked to me any good from there on. He didn't take a beating or anything, but he just didn't look any good. Uh, you know, he, he struggled to me, you know, to me, Mosley Jr. just doesn't really have talent and he, he struggled to get a win over him and that was his biggest win. So, you know, Andre just for whatever reason, you know, if, if it's what Hearn says that nobody wants to fight him, uh, TV and promotional conflicts, combination of all of the above, you know, Andre's not fighting the best opposition, but you know, he he did pass the the one test is when you're in with an overmatched opponent, get rid of him in early, and he did that with Quigley. But let's face it, just not really any other way to put it. Quigley just didn't look like he wanted to be there. Um, so, you know, that was that was a performance that was that bad. You know, even though Andrade has talent, he's not a huge puncher. But you know, he dropped Liam Williams in the fight, Quigley. You know, kind of doing what he should be doing with at least these guys they're giving him. Uh, you know, I, I will just say, I don't like you said, I, the Mannix diatribes are bizarre because the zone has other opponents available. And, you know, I'm with everybody else there because as the years have gone on, I look first to what fights can be realistically made in-house. And even though there's some different promoters involved, I think we can look at, you know, the zones, the TV for these people, the broadcaster, so I, that that can rightfully be treated as in house, you know. They, Golovkin, Andrade, Munguia, like people have been saying. I mean, that is correct. If they can't put those three together, which they haven't been able to so far. I mean, even Golovkin, Munguia, you could go with at this point instead of Murata because 
it's a better U.S. appeal fight, you know, U.S.-Mexico. And let's face it, that's, you know, even though there's money for Murata in Japan and he does very well on TV, I can't say there's no money there because that is a factor where you've got – he does huge ratings on Japanese TV. So I, I can't discount that, but, you know, the zone is not trying to build themselves on the Japanese market, apparently – if I read that correctly, that fight's not even going to be on the zone in Japan. So yeah, I heard it's going to be on Amazon. Right. I heard yeah. it's going to be on so, Amazon. And then that matters because Murata is very popular in Japan. So yeah. the zone's not even making any headway there with this thing. So, you know, they had this big Golovkin signing and, you know, now he's fighting Murata in Japan. He's not even on the zone in Japan. Um, it just seems like they should have put the Mungia something with Andre. You know, Golovkin's getting older. He, he probably style-wise. I mean, I think this is the truth. People say, "Oh no, you know, Golovkin fans." But no, there's still things with styles, and and he's of an advanced age now. He probably doesn't have any interest in the Andrade fight because of the the risk factor with the style. Uh, so, you know, these guys aren't these guys aren't fighting. I mean, you know. It is actually confirmed news. And, you know, with boxing politics, believe it or not, because the alphabet belts don't matter to me, I'm actually not necessarily blaming this camp, but, you know, Mungi is saying, nah, we don't need the WBL to fight, BO belt to, to, to make us want to fight Andrade. We're not going to take that fight. I mean, that's reality, apparently. So. But, but see, that's the thing. If you if you forget the alphabet belts and you just had one legit lineal middleweight champ, then guys like Munguia would take that shot. So you know, when people say, "Oh, the belts, the alphabet belts matter," and all this undisputed, yeah, it's still business. You know, it's still business. So you know, ideally, if you had one champ at division, the business decision would sort of go with the championship. In other words, you know. Let's ju- let's just say that Charlo or Golovkin was the middleweight champ right now, and the money went with being the little millennial middleweight champ. Then you know Munguia's camp might want that fight, but that's not what we're dealing with when you're walking around with a WBO middleweight belt. So the yeah, zone has no fight, no fight between those guys. So uh, you know the alphabet thing still only matters to these people when they want them to. Uh, you know, it, it's ultimately about the business, and that's why I forget talking about this un, un, undisputed nonsense and these alphabet belts that the promoters are just using as marketing tools. But Andrade, at least he took care of business quickly. So that was on the Friday night, and just probably worth mentioning, just because the guy is good. He was boring. I mean, he's still not that exciting, but he was really boring early in his career, but he's got some talent, as you know, Alam Kaluli. Uh, he's He's at least stopping people lately. He was not doing that early in his career, and he he would just put you to sleep. He's got boxing skill, but was overly cautious. You know, he's got McGirt. He's starting to get some stoppages now. Probably is a a big risk with no reward for a lot of people. So it's going to be interesting seeing how he's going to try to get some fights. And, you know, he couldn't get one, obviously, here fighting on Dam at this point was a joke. So, uh, but but I think he probably is legitimately a guy who's looking to at this point get it get get any bigger name he can 
uh, and he probably would would take on anybody he can get a big fight with. So he's worth mentioning. Uh, it's just a stay and busy fight for him, but at least he's at least he's getting stoppages now. Uh, he needs to be more entertaining like that. So uh, for him, if, if he doesn't get a stoppage, he'll he'll put you to sleep. So uh, at least he. All I'll just say there is at least he got a stoppage. And this is what he had to say, at, not just right after the fight, like in the ring, but this was uh, Mora and Manic kind of on the side of the ring talking a little bit more. There's a great deal of money on top of it. It's been publicly known. At the end of the day, this kid, the fighters that we need to do on this broadcast, Matthew, that's Mahoney Magia, that's Billy Joe Sonnen's he's decided to come back, that's um, Triple G, Murata. At the end of the day, those are the things that we can make possible in this platform. So let's drive that engine. Let's drive that engine. Shallow, at the end of the day, he wins, I win. We drive the engine over here, it's going to happen. But we can't talk about it all day long, Matt, uh, Chris, Maddox. We can talk about it all day long. We're still going to say it's going to be the same. And I, I respect that, you know. The thing about Andre, like, clearly he wasn't managing his career properly. I know that he did get screwed over, I believe. He re-signed with that person, though. But either way, he did not. He turned down a lot of fights. He just did. That's just factual. Um, he had Jermel Charloni bailed out of that fight, which was a mistake. And even with the Jamal thing, it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way when he admitted, that was the funniest part, Mannix never you know, tried to call Espinosa and get his side of the story because you know he's with the zone. So he's just pushing this thing the whole time, got to make PBC look bad. But once... You know, once they started breaching the topic on on his podcast with Andre, Andre said right to his face, well, actually, they did offer me, Showtime offered me not only just a one fight, but a multi-fight, whichever you want to fight Charlo, which at that time would have been a career high as well. A lot of people only talk about the potentially uh, career high money that Charlo would make going over there. It just rubs me the wrong way to get offered something. And then go to the other platform and say, "Oh, he's ducking me." That was I was like, "All right, Andre. I mean, what the hell is this shit? Like that? That's a little weak." But now you can see, well, that didn't work, obviously. And and now he, he's, it does seem like he's like, you know what? That's nice and all. I want that fight. And we're not saying those fights shouldn't happen. But you notice when Danny Jacobs left the PBC, who was the first fighter he fought, Golovkin, on the first contract with the Zone. It was a three-fight contract. Who was the first fighter he fought? Canelo. So, yeah, Jacobs did leave the PBC, but look what he left to. Golovkin and Canelo were at the front of that, and he actually got the fights, not just, hey, here's a three-fight deal, and maybe we'll put you on the back burner. So it always rubbed me the wrong way, but in the same breath now, I do like what he's saying. Like, hey, I just want a big fight. The past is the past. Let's make the fights happen. And uh, hopefully, you know, something like that uh, does uh, happen for him. You know, you always like to, I mean, the guy does have skill. It's just no matter what you think of him, he does have skill, and he's awkward. And, uh, you know, he's definitely got some pedigree. Um, as far as this weekend goes, and this is, you know, we've, we've had a nice string here of good, you know, quality action here. 
And here we are again. Brandon Figueroa. We got Figueroa, Fulton, Fulton, Lopez, and Cambosis. Um, that's showtime in the zone. Let's start with what most people think is a little bit more, well, I guess it's, you know, the other ones for undisputed, right, technically, but it's a mandatory, whereas this one, uh, I think people are kind of, unless you're a Tiafima Lopez fan, boy, where you're just like, nah, this is the best fight, period. I think more people, you know, in the boxing world do have their eyes on this Figueroa Fulton. How do you see this one playing out here on Saturday night? Well, you make a good point, though, Chris, where if you just kind of look since both of them on the same night, you know, if if you really look at, in, in, I mean, the, the the much better matchup is Fulton Figueroa to me, as well as I think just about everybody else. But you, know, you, you do make a good point. If you really look at significance of the fight, um, Tiafimo Lopez is the lightweight champion of the world. There's no reasonable dispute that he's the champion. I mean, forget the alphabet belt and forget what Devin Haney has, uh, whatever that is with the weight, the WBC, they don't make any sense. Um, you know, it's ridiculous to say Lopez isn't the champ belts or not. He is the lightweight champ. So, you know, Cambosis, I think undeservedly really uh, is getting a shot, the true lightweight title. So uh, even though I think, if Lopez is properly prepared, that's an easy fight for him. There's probably more significance in that sense with that fight, but the Fulton Figueroa at 122 is the better fight. Uh, you know, so I'm looking to that one, looking forward to that one more as a fight. Looking at that one, I've been going back and forth on that one. Uh, I had originally, when the fight was signed, I said I liked Figueroa in the upset. He's a significant underdog, which surprised me a bit, but. I didn't want to be overly influenced by just liking his price and getting that confused with him actually winning the fight. But I still was thinking, no, I, I think I like him to win for the upset. Then on the show a few weeks back, I had mentioned I was thinking it over and I, I started to decide that, you know, maybe Fulton is just too versatile for him. I do like him a lot as well. And that really he's going to have too much versatility and be able to win decision. And, and then I was starting to lean that way after being all Figueroa. I've changed my mind back, uh, presuming both guys make weight okay, because I think it, it has been an indicator a lot of times that you've got you to look at those scales on the day before the fight and, and make sure both guys are coming in properly prepared because it can affect your pick if, if somebody if it's a close enough fight and somebody's really not prepared with the weight. So assuming that, both guys, because now there was, I don't know the credibility of it, but I'm assuming it, I didn't seem to be any reason to be a false report. This was just before we went on. Somebody was tweeting out that Figueroa is saying this could be it for him at 122. And, you know, when he's saying that the week of the fight, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence about how the camp's going for making the weight on Friday. So uh, if we see a Brandon Figueroa 124 or something like that, on Friday, I might have to revise my pick one more time. But assuming that doesn't happen, I think I'm back to Figueroa with the upset. I, I've always liked Fulton a lot, but even though he get he gets a good knockout here and there, he, he really doesn't have the pop. Um, and he, he is very versatile, and he's a tough guy. But I, I think Figueroa, uh, he, he fights in a, in a pressure manner, 
kind of you know kind of reckless, really goes all out to bring in the pressure. But I think he's got more abilities than that than he shows. And I'm not saying that he's going to all of a sudden be boxing Fulton. I don't think it's one of those fights. I don't think he's going to do that. But I just think some people make a little bit of a mistake about Figueroa that because of the pressure style he likes to put on, I think he legitimately likes to be entertaining for the fans. That he's not a skilled guy. I think he's got. I think he's got skills, and you know he he does have power, and he's got very good size for the weight, and. I think he's going to be able to push Fulton back, and he's got a power advantage on him, and I think he'll be working the body, pushing him back, wearing on him. And I don't. I think Fulton's too tough and too good for Figueroa to stop, but I think that Figueroa is going to work the body enough, be the aggressor, pushing him back, just making it hard enough on Fulton with the power and size advantage and the fact that he puts pressure on that I, I think he's going to be able to do more over the course of the fight, wear Fulton down some, and, and get a decision here. I don't think he'll be able to stop him, even though he's got the power and the pressure ability. The only worry I have about Figueroa is that, that Seha stumble he had where he had the draw. I, I blame that on the fact that Seha pretty much intentionally didn't make the weight, and Figueroa went with the fight anyway. But the thing is, you know, Seha's been stopped a lot. Even though he's he's got good offensive skills, he's, he's a good fighter, but the, the chin's a little questionable. He's been stopped a lot. You know, Figueroa couldn't stop him. Uh, that's the one blemish to me that concerns me a little about Figueroa because, you know, taking shots from a guy like Seha like he did, I mean, a, a more skilled guy like Fulton, you know, he's going to be able to do more. But then again, you know, Seha does have power, and he hits a lot harder than Fulton. So uh, I'm going to go back to going with Figueroa uh, in, a, in a good fight, uh, you know, competitive. But I, I think uh, he's just going to be a little bit stronger, work the body harder, wear Fulton down a little bit, and, and be able to get a decision. But the one caveat I'm going to give to that is if Figueroa's got a lot of problems making this weight uh, Friday and Fulton yep. doesn't, that's a to me a tight enough fight. I mean, Fulton's a significant favorite, so I'm already going out on a limb here with an upset pick. But yeah, I, I'm not going to feel too good about the upset pick if Figueroa is at 124 or something like that, and he's got to boil down. Uh, so I, I may have to have one caveat there. But if that doesn't happen, if he makes the weight 122 first try, or he comes in at 121.8 or something like that, I'm, I'm going to I'm back to where I'm going to go with Figueroa and the upset on a real good fight on that one. Yeah, and if you look at it, plus 250, right in that realm, plus 275, I think is the tops I've seen, is where they have Figueroa sitting. Um, Raiz Alim hopefully made the right decision, too, by saying, you know what, I don't need to do this fight that you're telling me to do just to get that when there's really not as much money in it and I could still go fight these guys that I'm already, you know, branded with in a sense because you're on the PBC and we know 122 PBC is, is loaded at that division. So he, I say that all because there was a recent decision. He's going to be on the card. Uh, Ant, Antonio Russell, Gary Antonio Russell is going to be on the card too against Alexandro Santiago. So we'll see uh, how Russell looks, uh, you know, in, in general on that one. What are your thoughts here? I mean, this fight has been so drawn out for so many different reasons. Even today, and I'm talking about Tiafima Lopez, 
and George Cambosos. And even today, you got Lopez Sr. walking towards their camp because they're in the same room doing media. And he's walking towards them saying all sorts of stuff, you know, and then the guy kind of grabs them. And it's like, well, dude, you're walking towards them. You're calling people a lot of different names. What, what do you expect? He's like, did you see that? Did you? He's like, well, dude, it just it, there's just a lot of drama and hype behind – well, talk, I should say. Not hype, but talk behind this fight. Um, you know, I'm looking at the lowest you can get is a plus 550 uh, for Cambosis. Otherwise, you know, I got – there's a plus 885. I'm sure they take more of your money there, the plus 600. Clearly, Teofimo Lopez is, you know, the uh, the better overall fighter, the better pedigree. Um, Cambosas has, you know, some good wins, Selby, but at 35, we know Selby's not as good as he was at even 130, but especially at like 126. But, and I, you know, I never thought a whole lot of Selby as far as being a, a tippy-top level guy at a division anyway at Featherweight. I thought he's a good fighter and stuff, but I, I didn't think a whole hell of a lot of them. Um, I guess they're always, speaking of weight, John, there, there is a potential that Teofimo, this stop and start, stop and start, get COVID, stop and start. There is potential that he could have a little weight uh, issue. Uh, but in the same breath, you know, it's been quite a while now since you've been back from COVID, and, and you've been staying in shape this whole time. So there's no... There was no reason for him to blow up or anything like that because he didn't have that much time off, uh, even when the fight was getting postponed all those times. Um, I, you know, I guess Tiafimo could make the mistake of trying to knock him out too early and get caught with something. Um, maybe he, he lets his anger kind of go into this. But th- this is one of those things that it does suck, man. You become indisputed, and then – you haven't fought in a year, you know? It happened to Usyk. Up until this big win against AJ, this gigantic win, he had kind of fallen off the you know, the face of the earth for a little while, whether it's injury, whether it's COVID, whether it's, you know, working himself up, you know, and fighting Jasora and other, other folks, uh, Witherspoon. It, it happens sometimes. You get this huge, huge win in front of a lot of people, um, you know, on ESPN for free. So it was a big, it, it was like a, big rating and a, a big fight and he got the job done now I don't think he's nowhere you know anywhere near the star he thinks he is and him and his pops and because remember they were going to knock Mayweather off of that June date and all that and they were going to do two million on the zone and all that stuff and it, it, that stuff's a little over the top but long story short are we really going to get that competitive fight here or could you know Lopez's mind be kind of all over the place what's next or just you know there's just so much drama with this fight between these two maybe he could make an error in there what are the chances of this or is this just kind of a beyond the first couple rounds a walkthrough type fight i think i think this fight's been wildly overrated by people i i think it just comes down to me this is another one of those weight situations you know, it's been rumored that Lopez has had a tough time making lightweight for a while, and now he's still there trying to make it. Um, and this has been a fight that's been postponed on a few occasions, a lot of stops and starts. This does have all the makings of a rough 
camp in terms of making the weight for Lopez. So got to have a little bit of a caveat on this one too. Not for the win though, for me, uh, for me, it's if Lopez makes the weight easily, in other words, same type of thing. First time on the scale, he hits 135 even or a little bit under with on the first time. Uh, I think that he blows Campos out, he blows Cambosis out in the first half of the fight. Uh, th- this is again to me where there's alphabet confusion. Uh, alphabet confusion only in the fact of uh, this uh, supposed IBF ordered mandatory. In other words, you know Lopez is clearly the lightweight champion. I don't feel he's got any need to worry about these alphabet belts. But again, they worry about them when it's a business decision, and we know Triller came out of nowhere with this uh, purse bid. And, uh, you know, got this thing starting to get hyped up and Lopez getting more money for a fight that I got to agree with Bob Arum is more of a garbage fight. You know, that I mean, I want the boxers to make as much as possible, but, you know, I, 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 I take that categorization. Now, some people, you know, then they'll say the devil's advocates say, well, you know, transnationals got – you know, Cambosis, he, he just cra- barely, you know, he cracks the ratings. It's, you know, bottom of the top 10, but, but he cracks the ratings. Right. But, you know, ranking 17 divisions, uh, and I'll just say this, and, and the, this is a fair part of the process because that's why you have multiple people involved. It's not a one-man show. Um, you know, in, in my ballot in terms of top 10, I mean, Cambosis doesn't crack it for me. So that that personally doesn't affect my evaluation. Uh, I do respect the others and, you know, what what the people uh, who, who do this and know what they're talking about think. So I, I, I pay attention to that. I don't ignore it. But still, in my own analysis, I, I you know, I didn't think Cambosis even beat Selby. The British commentators didn't. Then everybody always says, oh, well, it was the British commentators and it was Selby. What do you expect? But Hey, I, I watched the fight. I'm here in the U.S. and and I'm with you. You know, Selby's nothing spectacular. He can't crack an egg, but that's the point. You know, he he was outboxing Cambosis. Cambosis has some hand speed, but he was just fighting in spurts, and he, he's not impressive as a puncher. I thought Selby did a close fight, very close, but I thought he enough did enough to win. And I'm thinking, you know, this guy can't even get by Lee Selby clearly, and you know he's going to get in with a a killer. Like Lopez, you know this this dude's this dude's in trouble. Better be careful what he wished for. And you know his other quote unquote big win is uh, another close decision uh, with Mickey Bay, another non puncher. You know who God knows when when Mickey Bay's prime was. I mean it hasn't been recent. So you know that those and that was a split close. decision too. Right. I mean, that's what we're supposed to care about. I mean, and, you know, that I'm, I'm not trying to offend any Aussie boxing fans. I'm just calling it like I see it. Uh, you know, you know how, how much how much of a how much of a level is Cambosis, you know, o- over a guy like a Mason Menard or certainly let's let's then maybe say, oh, that's being unreasonable. But let's say then. How much of a level is he? And, and we know the answer is he's not any level above him. A, a Richard Comey. I mean, not at all. And, and, you know, and right. you know, Lopez just dismantled these guys immediately. I mean, that's what I'm looking at. So, 
My take on this one is I never saw the attraction of this fight from the beginning. I don't think Cambosos, quote-unquote, deserves the fight. Now, there always has been times in boxing history, I agree, when you had legitimate champs, like, you know, you could go into the record of Roberto Duran and look at some of the guys when he was fighting when he was the lightweight champ of the world, and not all of them were great. Uh, not of all of them went down as, you know, all-time legends, far from it. But even though Duran, of course, the, the greatest living fighter, I think, of, of all time. But the point being, like, but, but here's what I do like to say when we look at the past like that. Those guys were fighting a lot, you know. And, I, and I'm actually not saying the elite should be fighting, like, at the rate those guys were. To me, that's the problem with fights like Lopez Cambosos. I mean, I'm all for safety with the elite where they're saying, hey, you know, I don't want to take too many shots to the head. Fighting twice a year is enough for me. I get that. A lot of people don't, but I do get that. I'm okay with it. But here's always my point is, you know, when you're at the top like Teofimo Lopez, then George Cambosos shouldn't be one of the two fights. You know, George Cambosos should be fighting other good lightweights really establishing that he should be fighting the Tiafimo Lopez's of the world. And Lee Selby and Mickey Bay are not enough. And that's part of the problem with the sport. So uh, I don't think Cambosis really belongs in this fight. I, I don't get knowledgeable people. This is a pretty good fight, and I've been looking forward to this. Based on what? Based on what? You know, you saw what Lopez did to somebody like Tomei. I mean, you saw how much he dominated – the first half of the fight against Lomachenko and then almost ran him out of the ring in the last round. I mean, Lomachenko is a very skilled guy who was, who was beating, you know, legitimate light, lightweight contenders. I mean, uh, and, and you know, where's Cambosos fit into this? Like I said, if Lopez, if, unless Lopez is totally weight drained, I just don't see this being a fight. Um, so, if, if we get the in-shape Tiafimo Lopez who makes weight comfortably, I think Cambosos is getting blown out of there within six. Uh, if, if Lopez is weight-drained, maybe then, you know, he's weak and he lets Cambosos go the distance or something like that and doesn't look as good and, and people are then overweight. Again, I would say overweighting Cambosos, but I think this to me is more about Tiafimo Lopez than Cambosos. You know, from what I've seen at Cambosa, he's got some quick hands, but he's not particularly powerful, not particularly anything else special, and, and that's just not enough. Uh, I, I don't see much more than that. So it's better than nothing. Uh, I think the guy does have some pretty good hand speed, but uh, Tiafimo Lopez is fast and can bang like a truck and has boxing skill, and that's why he's at the top of the division and one of the best, 10 best fighters in the world because he brings an unusual set of attributes, and I don't think – there anything that Cambosos can deal with is if Lopez is anything close to usually prepared. Yeah, I could see that second half of the fight if he's <clears throat> having weight issues, like you said. Maybe you come out looking good, but then fade and just let him survive or whatever, you know, because he just can't do it or whatever. But I think that's fair enough. Any other uh, items that you want to uh, address at all? Well, that's about it, Chris. I mean, we've got some entertaining stuff, like you said. I mean, look, you know, I'm going to – of course, I'm looking forward to watching the stuff. I mean, I like seeing Tiafimo Lopez fight, and uh, just uh-huh. because people, some, there's a certain segment of the boxing community that's boosting up Cambosos, uh, you know, 
I disagree with that sentiment, so I'm looking forward to kind of and, – and Lopez is the champ, so I'm looking forward to that for those reasons, not because I've been in wild anticipation of his fight while it's been held up for a year and, and originally signed. Uh, and then, you know, I like the competitive matchup between uh, Fulton and Figueroa. Those are two fighters I've, I've both – I've liked for a while. See, I like Fulton a lot. It's not that I don't, but I've liked Figueroa for yeah. a long time as well. He's one of those early PBC guys, you know, really just started his career. And, you know, Fulton was too. True, yeah. But, you know, I mean, Figueroa was on there from his first couple of fights and, and just seen him come up. And one thing I didn't get to mention when we were breaking it down, but I think matters, got to look at it real carefully, but I think it matters a bit. If, if you look at the records of Fulton and Figueroa, Figueroa has faced just a little bit better competition, I think. And I think that's going to matter a bit on Saturday night. In other words, with how they've both gotten to this point, the I don't think people have talked about that, and I think that's worth discussing. Again, you got to look beyond the alphabet stuff, and I think that's what matters. Looking beyond the alphabet stuff, I think that Figueroa has faced a little bit better competition than Fulton, and I do think that probably makes a difference in how we're looking at both uh, going into Saturday night. But again, the odds makers just agree with me, and like I always say on here, and it even includes this this instance, never ignore them. So I know I'm going out on a limb here. Uh, it's just when you follow boxing as much as we can, I think you, you can pick your spots like that. And I've waffled on this one, but but if Figueroa makes the weight comfortably, I'm I'm going with him in the upset. There you have it. We'll enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you next week, John. All right, Chris. Thanks for having me, as always, and enjoy the fights. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. All righty, folks. Um, just to kind of give my predictions on the on the these fights here, too. Um, yeah, you know, like, I, I think Selby was really solid, like I said, at uh, 126. I really do. I mean, I remember the Warrington fight. I think way back when he, he beat Grotovich. Isn't that how he got? I think that's how he got it. Grotovich. Uh, you know, good, good, good win there. Um, Barrios, pretty good win. Eduardo Ramirez, right? These are all, well, actually, technically, I'm looking at it right now because I wanted to make sure. I do remember him fighting kind of up and down, and this is huh, funny. It says IBF. This is where he Ramirez. Okay, Ramirez was above the championship. Okay, I see. All right, I was looking at it wrong. So he still was 124. I was like, oh, 128 and a half. What? But that was Ramirez. Um, and then Josh Warrington, he had a very competitive fight with, you know. Um, and then he jumped two weight classes, which isn't the craziest thing from 126 to, to 135. Um, beat a good fighter in Omar Douglas, you know. Fought Ricky Burns, you know, at that age. Eh, you know, and he had a split decision with him, too, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe, well, at 135, Douglas definitely is best win just because of that. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I think... I do think that a lot of this is just the Cambosis, Tiafimo stuff. It's just because of the purse bid and the top rank stuff, you know, and that type of thing to where it, that's what people were focused on. Oh, look at this. He, he won up the top rank and, 
he got the most money, and I and I was here saying, hey, good for you. You got you got more money than you were going to get, and that kind of makes up for you should have gotten paid more for that Lomachenko fight, to be honest, you know. So I was happy for him. Now he's still going to make more money, I think, than he got for that, even with the the second the the matchroom who, who finished second in the first bid, but. It's just them talking a bunch of shit back and forth and all this drama of it getting postponed. And, and one thing I'll say is, you know, Cambosis can talk shit pretty good. And he does it in a way where he's like, he may say some outrageous stuff, but he's very confident and he does it like calmly. Tia is kind of all over the place. One second he's like, hey, man, you know, I've, I've kind of changed my life around and I'm here for the kids. You know, I'm doing it for the kids. And, you know, this, that, and the other. And then the next second, he's saying something completely different. Uh, even in the same interview, he said that today. Uh, he's like, oh, I got to get more PG, you know, because he had just went off or whatever. But a lot of it's just the shit talk. I think that's why so many people on boxing Twitter, hardcores, are, like, paying attention to this fight. Because a lot of things have been said, quite frankly, you know. You know, it is what it is. Uh, I don't think Cambosis is some kind of bad fighter. If he is in the top ten, I, I do think he should be lower part of the top ten. But, um, you know, I, I think there is a chance that he could make it a competitive fight for a little bit. Um, but anything beyond a handful of rounds, getting to the fourth, fifth, sixth, and all that, I'd be surprised if it was, say, 3-3. Three, three. You know what I mean? I would be surprised. Um, I think Tiafimo is just on a different level. Seen Tiafimo can fight in the middle of the ring in the skill fest, be on the move and counter the shit out of you, take his time, be patient, or not necessarily rage at you or nothing, but you know he can come forward too. So, um, be, there there is a possibility with this weight because he's been saying for quite some time, as John said and it's been said here plenty of times over the last year or whatever, that it is tough and he's a big that weight class. So. The stop and start, although, like I mentioned, it's tough because he's never had all this time to, like, gain a bunch of weight, right? Which was kind of an issue with him um, and making weight because he's so big. Not that he'd blow way off and get way out of shape, but, um, you know, that that's tricky since June this fight was supposed to happen. So that's a handful of months where you're, you're training – and sometimes you can just overtrain, you know, and then you're like, oh, dude, I got to shut down for a while. And so the stop and start could affect him a lot. Now, it could affect Cambosis, too. Let's not act like that isn't a possibility, you know. I think it was smart for him to stay where he was at under these uh, circumstances. Um, and he, he probably would have liked to get over a little earlier, but under the circumstances where it's like, all right, this is going to be the weekend, and then it wasn't. Okay, this is going to be the next date. Okay, then it's not. So imagine him having to travel, especially where he lives, back and forth a handful of times already, like even more. So I think it was smart for him to just kind of hold out and then take this, um, you know, come over here. Not as early, like I said, as he probably wanted to be, but it is what it is. My point is, long story short, it can affect him too. So, yeah, I think he's going to win cleanly. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a knockout within six rounds, eight rounds, something like that. Um, nothing against Camposa. He has, you know, he hasn't lost. To be fair, 
Um, but, you know, the Selby fight, split decision, barely got it. Like you said, Mickey Bay. Mickey Bay had fought like once in like three or four years, and that was very competitive, you know. Before that, though, literally, you know, and I've done this before, and I'm doing it now just to make sure, just looking at it. He just, he just doesn't have much on his resume, you know. So uh, I definitely have him getting stopped. I do think he will get stopped. Now on to the, the other big fight, and the one that I'm looking forward to more, because it is more competitive. These guys are legit uh, dudes at 122. And some of it is just based off um, a better eye test, too. It's not, not like either of the guys have fought a bunch of killers. Now, Nary, I got to admit, with Figueroa, I picked Nary to win that fight. And I was kind of caught up um, in that Sehaw fight. And some of the stuff I saw leading up to the Seha fight, right? Some of it I really liked. He does like to brawl. He does like go to the body. He's a pretty accurate puncher. Um, he does take plenty of shots, but he's fought a lot of pretty solid bets. He doesn't have some kind of great pedigree either. Seha's a, definitely a good bet, but you know, to beat an undefeated Neri as an under, underdog, I gotta give him a lot of credit for that. And Fulton, I kind of you know, the Neri thing is probably one of the most experienced fighters if you compare both sides, right? So that stands out. And Seha is definitely as experienced as anyone, and more experienced really at a high level anyway, top level, um, than a lot of the guys that Fulton beat. But, you know, as a prospect turning into a contender, turning into a champion, he did face a fair amount of unbeaten guys. And two of those guys that stand out exact, like there's other names out there. Some of them he was underdog against, but even like in your, what, what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, your seventh fight. This goes for both of them, by the way. Greer was only his fifth fight. Joshua Greer Jr. Greer Jr. That, that's a good fight within less than 10 fights as a prospect undefeated guy, you know, beat another undefeated guy. Um, Adam Lopez is another good fight that really, and that was a close decision. And I understand some of the stuff I'm saying, you go, well, weren't you just saying, you know, but Lopez, you know, he, it's not like, you know, don't get me wrong, Lopez, you know, I actually, I don't think Lopez was lower than, yeah, Lopez was, yeah, Lopez was a featherweight that he and he went down, right? And then now he went back up to featherweight, I believe. So he's actually coming down a little bit. It's funny because I just got a message saying this exact same thing. Well, Lopez, is, you know, that's in the same realm. But, you know, he didn't come up to weight class. So I thought that was a good win. But that was a very competitive fight. It was a, I think it was an eight-rounder. Um, very competitive fight. And, you know, they, they if you look after that, there was some okay talent, but not, nothing crazy. Another unbeaten guy, uh, Kaya guy. I think it's Kaya guy. He, uh, he, you know, he definitely did really good in that. That was another unbeaten one. And then, you know, Leo, that looked pretty damn good in his last fight. Uh, you know, and, and he had a nice little run. And he also had some power. He was a come forward fighter. Or, no, I'm sorry, he's not, he's not a big come forward 
you know, he'll come forward, but he doesn't have a lot of power. He's more like wearing you down, going to the body. But he can flash skill. I thought he was a good all-around fighter, Leo. And we'll see, um, you know, where he goes from here. But that was early in the year, and he pretty much handled him. So I think some of the separation as they've gotten, you know, in recent fights. So, yeah, I do think Fulton's been more impressive. And like I said, I kind of think prospect to contender, his his uh, I kind of push back on what John said. I think he is, is a little bit better. But if you look at the top-level guys, even a Seha, right, but also, of course, Nary, I mean, that's clearly a better name. And he was an underdog. And he knocked him out. And he he dealt with him. You know what I mean? And that was really impressive. Um, so I am kind of stuck on this. I'm, this is close to a 50-50 fight almost. You know? I really think so. I think I think it's worth, and I'm going to put, you know, a little down on that plus 250 for Figueroa. But at the end of the day, I am going to pick the more, in my mind, versatile fighter, the guy that can move really good, very accurate. Um, he's We've seen him on the ropes before, and that's kind of something that stood out to me in some of his fights, him on the ropes. And I needed to see certain things that I think I eventually saw from him, being able to not just defend yourself, uh, somewhat of a stalemate too, but he also was able to throw back um, under control, not just wailing stuff. Now, there's times that he did do some of that, where he got a little loose for my liking as the defender. But I just think, you know, the inside-outside game, the footwork, the hand speed, I'm going to pick kind of like a majority decision. I don't think he'll knock him out, but I think like a majority decision one card could be a draw, maybe a split decision, whatever. I'm going to go majority decision. No, I'm going to go uh, Fulton. That's who I'm going with, Fulton. Um, but I, I'm, I think this is going to be a good fight, and, and that's why I'm putting a little money on Figueroa because it, it probably – you could make a point, you know, that it probably should be a tad closer um, on, on the lines. Um, so there is about – 15, 16 minutes left. I will be going to Portland in a little bit. I did want to run through some news and then let him uh, close the show. So we'll just let him go until it cuts us off type thing. Um, real quick, I did forget to mention that Kamara Reese fight, or Riez or whatever, that was a good, good fight. I actually had Kamara winning. I thought she was landing like that. First of all, Kamara, and that was on the zone card. She was landing this big right hand over and over and over again for you know in the first chunk of rounds. Um, but Riaz, she did have her moments, and she would land in exchanges and land some short combos. And to me, she was just getting hit too much. You know, now she bloodied up Kamara's nose, and beyond getting hit, you know, too much, then all of a sudden, like I said, she she did she she pushed her back more and more. She was doing pretty damn good. There was, I think it was the eighth round or the ninth round where the, the round ended at the 10 second mark. Not, you know, not the actual time it's supposed to remember that. Then Reyes, like, I think it was like a 
a left hook and a big right hand that looked like it buzzed Kamara a little bit. So she closed really strong. Um, but I thought Kamara kind of got, you know, her groove back and finished a little stronger, you know, in the 10th. So I actually had it 5-5 five, five or 6-4 Kamara. Um, but it was a good competitive fight. That was a really fun fight to watch. I, I did enjoy that. The scorecards read 97-93, 97-93, well, two of them, and then 95-94. So it was a, uh, a split decision that the champion got. But I did kind of think Kamara pulled that off. Um, Akmal Diaz, you know, that Roman fight, he looked pretty damn good in that fight, but it was really close. And Daniel Roman's a steady, solid fighter. I think some of these other guys are maybe a, a tad notch above him. Um, and ever since that fight, he had the long layoff, obviously. He had, like, the extended COVID. Um, you know, MJ was you – know, he had the speedy pivots, and he was landed more. And, and, and Velasquez, you know, having success, maybe in the body more, you know. Um, but MJ, the footwork, the clean punching – uh, the jabs to the body, the left hand, just kind of doing his thing. I did think, like, mid-rounds, what was that, seventh round? Yeah, seventh round, I did see Velasquez doing a really good job of just roughhousing him and, and going to the body. You know, I, I thought, okay, well, this is kind of different seeing him, you know, like that, seeing him not get beat up, but, you know, seeing him, like, kind of on the ropes and not looking as good. So I don't know if it was all that great of a performance. But, you know, it was really one or two of those rounds, but then he closed out, uh, you know, really well, outboxed um, um, combos and just more effective, basically. Um, he started going to the body a little bit more, too. Um, all three scorecards ready real clean, 119-109 for Akhmedaliev. But Velasquez was just fun to watch, though. Like, he was doing backflips to push-ups, and he was just pumped to be there. So that was kind of nice to see, um, kind of see that. And then that uh, Marataha and Arroyo, um, that seemed like a, I think it was fifth round TKO. That seemed like a pretty, you know, a pretty bad, uh, he was, Arroyo was bringing, um, what is it, Arroyo? I think that's how you say his name. He was bringing a lot of pressure, and he kept firing back when he, you know, uh, there was some good back and forth. I thought it was a little early stoppage, though. And then um, Aleem Hanala uh, beat Endam pretty much easy. Looked okay doing it. Landed that nice, uh, I think it was a left uppercut at the near the end of, like, the third round. Um, but he's actually trying to put his name um, in the middleweight mix. I think I want to say... I think it was the Andre belt. I think it was the WBO that he actually went there and said, hey, I want to do this. You know, I, I put my name in there. I want the next uh, – I want to be basically the next man, though. So we'll see. Speaking of, um, Jermel Charlo and Brian Castaño, the rematch, it looks like it's going to happen in February. This is according to Jake Donovan. Uh, well, this he didn't say exactly in February. That was some other reports as well, but this is from BoxingScene.com. The WBO conditionally approved undisputed championship rematch. Um, and some of that obviously had to do with uh, Tim Zhu. 
Tim Zhu is kind of just, you know, waiting in the wings. Uh, so the boxing scene has learned that the WBO will refrain from ordering him as a Mando for Castaño's belt. Tim Zhu actually just got a, a, a good win uh, last week, early in the week. I forgot about that. Um, it's the sources indicated that the, an agreement has been reached between all parties, which is expected to um, confirm immediately before or after the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday. And so agreement is placed would permit Castaño to enter the rematch with, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Tim Zhu being able to get a shot at it. On the other side, there is some IDF stuff, but it sounds like that's not going to, because it's an overdue mandatory, but it sounds like they're going to allow one more fight there. So that's the thing about these undisputed fights, man. You know, there's already been step aside money. Now there's step aside for the WBO. How long can they keep these guys out? So that's why I'm glad that it looks like that thing is happening. And it sounds like, um, I think it's in, yeah, it's in Texas. I think it's in Houston. Well, it's not official, but I think it's in Houston. And I, I'm pretty sure it's in great, great news. I know, like, a lot of people are saying, you know, like, I get it. It's in Houston. It probably should have been in Houston the first time. But I don't think there was an arena, uh, you know, available. They went to San Antonio. Um, it's not like Charlo had a big advantage there. but And I guess fighting in the States, Charlo would have an advantage anyway over Castaño, right, in a sense. Of course, you know, the first fight with Harrison, I thought he won, and he did. A lot of people thought he won. He didn't even leave the card there. So I don't know. It's tough to say. But either way, wherever the fight's taking place, I, I – I'm so glad this freaking fight is happening, dude. I am so, so happy, dude. This is going to be a great one. Okay. Um, here's Errol Spence talking about Crawford and the Porter stuff. I thought his daddy stopped it too early. He's a warrior. Let him fight. He wore that Marvin Hagler shit fight. You know, he wore that war stuff. I talked about that earlier. Um, this is a tweet. Aram says Crawford and Taylor is more lucrative than a Spence fight. Of course, he's going to say that. This is Breadman, the best performance of Sean's career. He was mixing up his attacks, leading, countering. Leading, countering, I thought it was uh, even up to the stoppage. That's going to be a tough loss for him to accept. I don't think it's his best performance, but he was damn good. Kenny's saying the main reason he stopped the fight because he didn't prepare the way I wanted him to is weird since Kenny is the one preparing him. That That is good. That is a good point. And Errol Spence also tweeted, if I was Sean, I wouldn't pay my daddy. Uh, that's kind of funny. Um, so I want to make sure. By the way, it sounds like, so Navarrete, he claims he's a free agent. Emmanuel Navarrete claims that he's a free agent, and he's going to look you know, at Matchroom and PBC. Uh, you know, he's got his eyes on uh, the Wood Conlon fight, uh, Gary Russell or Leo Santa Cruz at 126. That's what they say, that his side says they're basically a free agent. Um, but Stanford Promotions, who co-promoted him, says they have a contract with him. So, no, he's not a free agent. So, you know, what will that mean? I, I don't really know. Um, the WBC sanctioned the fight between David Lemieux, uh, David Lemieux and David Benavides. 
for the Intim WBC belt. We'll see if that actually takes place, you know. Um, there was some talk about Aram and Warren. This is Keith Eidick for Boxing Scene to explore Fury and White for March in Cardiff, Wales, in a stadium. That'd be pretty That'd be pretty interesting, no doubt about it. And it is official. The WBC announced that unified welterweight champion Spence Jr. has been medically cleared uh, following the successful round. Uh, then they talked about how they're going to make a fight to be able to set up, you know, for a title eliminator, basically. Um, can only So this is a tweet, and then we're going to go to Portland. Can only imagine if Twitter was around for 50 years ago. That Ray Robinson is a bum. He lost to Randy Turpin. No shit, right? Hank Armstrong is trash. Can't even beat Fritzy Zivic. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, that's a – some of this stuff that you see on Twitter is just funky. Now, the WBC did order Mungia to face the winner of Derevchenko and Adams. So we'll see if he takes that one. That I don't know if he's going to take or not. I'm not sure. Keyshawn Davis and Richard Torres did sign with top rank. So, you know, I think that – don't they have, like, most of – I think they have the whole I, – I believe they have the whole – Here's some other good news. Dan Raphael's reporting Golden Boy into Zone closing in on a three-year deal. So that's good. Um, that's about it. I do want to go to Portland and let him uh, shut this puppy down. All right, let's get out to Portland. 503 Josue. What's going on, man? How the hell are you, buddy? Hey, ho, what up, what up, Chris? Hey, y'all, I'm doing good here in a cold-ass Oregon, but uh, how are you doing, Chris? How's everything, brother? I'm doing good, man. It actually got in the 50s today, so it was like the last little hurrah. Uh, it's only 46 nice. right now, so I'm I'm, I'm kind of happy about the temp right now. It's about to drop, though. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. But uh, hell yeah, and uh, a lot of fights, man. A lot of fights, especially this last uh, this last weekend. Uh, let me let me start off with the main event, man. What can I say? Uh, Sean Porter, uh, Crawford. Uh, I think you know this fight was uh, uh, definitely worth uh, the pay per view money just for because we got a good result out of it. Uh, you know, I wasn't a high believer of Crawford, but after seeing this, man, he made me really believe, uh, kind of turn and, and you know, think that he he he, he does pose a threat to these uh, welterweights, man. And, uh, man, um, and it's kind of hard not to say that, uh, you know, Crawford is like uh, maybe he he is going to be favored in that Spence fight. So, but, uh, but Sean, man, what can I say? He had dog in him. To the to the point where you know um, he couldn't have it, uh, you know. I mean, or well, his uh, his dad stopped it, right? And um, you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that are upset about that, but uh, I understand that that is that's his dad or that's his son in there, and uh, it's, a, it's a different story. So uh, he see he sees it differently, and I'm really upset in all honesty about the uh, the excuse on why he stopped it, the um, the preparation and. Uh, that wasn't to me. I thought, you know, you know him well, like it was earlier. Bullshit, Chris, brought man. up that it was bullshit. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't he wasn't like it just because you know heavy he and gassed out and all that. 
You know, nah. it was pretty weak. He he brought that. I thought he was bringing in like the uh, the spirit of a marvelous Hagler in the ring with him, man. And uh, that's you know wearing the right. those or having the it's coming out with war, you know. And I was like, holy crap! And when he like, in all honesty, man, when he hit the the canvas for the second time, and he was you know hit hitting the the canvas, you know, punching the canvas like it's like you know like mad and mad at the ground or whatever. Yeah. But I just felt like, holy crap, dude! Like we're about to see something great, maybe, man. Like we're about to see it. But, like, dude, like I think Porter's about to come. Like I think like he just woke his ass like like his ass up and like all of a sudden boom it got stopped and i was just like upset like i was like oh what a bummer like i i just didn't think it married a stoppage in my opinion i thought if he, if he could do that if he had the energy to be that mad and get up right away and you know be composed to me he looked composed but mad sure. you know what i mean he he looked upset that he had gone down twice already in one round and so you know to me he but he looked he looked all right to continue, um, but you know, like I said, his his dad has has a different opinion. It's his call at the, or his, it's his call at, as the as the trainer in there. Um, so, uh, but it was made, and uh, you know, so Crawford gets a uh, you know uh, gets a uh, what a, a knockout win over Sean Porter. So, man, uh, what can I say? Crawford uh, did deserve it. Uh, he, dude, what can I say, dude? This guy really looked good in there, man. I really liked how he handled the, uh, Sean Porter's pressure, like, and and the way he was able to take control in certain times where he was able to outmuscle him, or he because he had like a smirk, like the whole time I kept looking at his face, and he had like a smirk and like a like a smile. He he like to me he was having fun in there, dude. Like that was kind of scary to look, cause man, I, I, Porter. Porter was just in there, serious dog look, you know. Uh, but man, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's hard not to give Crawford a, a lot of credit for this fight. Um, but and, uh, but yeah, man, he moves forward. Let's see what happens with him in the future. I like that he is a, a, a free agent right now. And um, you know, I would tell him, in all honesty, man, I would, I would tell him to do a a fight by fight basis with ESPN. Like, stay with ESPN because, like, dude, for some reason, like they they've been pushing you hard. And like, dude, he they got a lot of casual fans before all this, like believing. To me, he wasn't ever pound for pound, but they had a you know a, a lot of people saying he was pound for pound. I think him being with ESPN and and with them with that network makes him the top dog in that you know in that side. So I just think you know it it, it would be a good thing to stay there and you know, be on and off, like fight, maybe fight by fight basis, but never don't close that door just yet. Cause like, man, like I, at the end of that fight, man, all I kept seeing was that ESPN loved them, man. I you know, Bradley, everybody that was there commentating, they couldn't just, they couldn't stop just talking about how, how great he looked, you know? So, um, I don't know, man, uh, it's, it's hard to say, cause you know, we all know his position and I hope, you know, that Sean, uh, I mean, uh, that, um, that Spence fight does happen. Or if that doesn't happen, I hope he takes on the other welterweights, like even a, a Danny Garcia. I would love to see that um, that that style clash up uh, happen. So, uh, but yeah, man, Crawford. Uh, like I said, Crawford was good. Uh, he moves on. He he moves on with his career. And uh, what do we got this week? And a lot of fights, man. Uh, what can I say? Uh, let's. Uh, I think what what, what do we got? Uh, uh, also, I want to mention Colton uh, Figueroa. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Lopez and uh, no, yeah, and uh, but before that, I think it's a Friday or uh, early fight in um, in Wales. Uh, Jay Harris, uh, Hector Flores. So I just want to mention that one because uh, Mexicano's going overseas, 
uh, yeah. to, you know, to, to get a win. So, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, so I just want to mention that real fast. But, yeah, let's uh, – the, 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 the weekend fights, uh, Teofimo Lopez, uh, George Campos, man, it's finally uh, – it's, it's such a good time to see this finally finalized, and we're about to get a result this weekend and finally move on, man. I feel so bad for yeah. George Campos. There was so much, you know, you know the, the, the post-moments for him, and I, I'm sure – that took a huge toll on, you know, expenses, you know, his body, cutting weight, where he's, where he's at, you know what I mean? And, uh, man, finally see this fight going to happen. Let, let's, you know, let's get a winner, man. Let's get a winner. So, but I'm, I'm rooting for uh, Teofimo Lopez. But it's hard not for me to, to root for George Cambosos uh, going into this fight just because uh, for all the BS he's had to go through, you know what I mean? Like with the, even with the, what, the promotion uh, switch, right, like they, they seem to have – like enough with the you know uh, postponement so and you know so but the zone picked it up so shout out to them uh but yeah and also uh yeah let's get into it uh the real i gotta say the real main event of the weekend man uh oh yeah uh stefan uh stefan uh, fulton right uh brandon figueroa man that someone's oh has to go this is gonna be sick man yes, uh sir. i think man uh we'll, you know what i mean um I think this is going to be the uh, the fight of the night. Uh, I, I got, I'm going to go with my boy Brandon Figueroa, Mexico. Uh, I believe he's going to get the stoppage uh, late rounds. Uh, but, you know, I think he could put him away with some uh, with some good pressure there. Uh, so uh, that 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 that's what I got for that fight, man. It's kind of it's, it's hard not to root for uh, Brandon Figueroa, man. I just feel you know he's at he's right now he's at a good point. Um, uh, uh, after that, uh, what's his name, the the Neri uh, knockout. Uh, so he's a uh, you know in a, in a good position like. Uh, uh, you know, uh, confidence-wise, and uh, so I, I just believe he he should be, or uh, uh, he this is gonna be a good uh, a good tough fight. But uh, I, my opinion, Brandon Figueroa gets this one, man, and uh, just uh, and he's gonna continue to break these uh, his opponent's hearts. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you know the heartbreak kid. So uh, but yeah, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as that, but yeah, man. As far as that, don't have much else to say. Uh, yeah. So uh, but yeah, yo, Chris, thank you for having me on. There we go. Let's not forget about uh, Figueroa's sister either. All right, guys. Enjoy the fight. We'll be uh, back next week. Peace out. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.